Phantasm. This is Tobias from Cut Up. You're listening to Phantasm on Catnet. What's up, motherfuckers? This is Brian from Vital Remains. You're listening to Phantasm Podcast. Hail Satan. This is Dr. Ross Stewart from Exhumed and Impaled. And you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Phantasm. What the fuck is up, ladies and gentle ghouls? And welcome to the Phantasm Podcast. I am Corey Gore Christ. With me, as always, Dr. Vincent Motherfucking West. Avidaze. And uh, we have a special one for you today, folks. Uh, we got Mike Smith later today on the show. Uh, very awesome interview. If you're a Suffocation fan or an old school death metal fan, that is an interview you guys do not want to miss. There's so much uh, history and just just shit packed into that interview. It, it was really really uh, eye opening and, and and really uh, exciting for us to do. And uh, we have a good movie that I think uh, y'all you will all appreciate, and uh, it goes along with the interview quite well. I think it's uh, what do we got for him? John Carpenter's They Live, which is a classic. Uh, a lot of people say wouldn't it's not necessarily a horror movie, but it's more on the sci-fi side of things. But uh, it's fucking John Carpenter. It's it's Roddy Piper. It's Keith David, who of course plays uh, Childs in uh, the Thing, which is uh, you know John Carpenter loved his performance so much in uh, in the Thing that he wanted him in this film because he didn't want uh, you know. Roddy Piper to have a sidekick character, if you will. He wanted somebody else that can hold his own. So basically, a not even really a supporting role. Basically, a second main character. So, uh, you know, the Frank character really brings that out. So, um, you know, this film's very iconic. It was, you know, a sleeper movie. It didn't do well at the box office at all. Um, but it ended up being a cult classic, and it has a huge following today. Uh, you know, this came out in, you know, around the like the fall of 1988 and uh shot in what downtown LA well the the shooting locations on this movie and I'm double checking that right now they did some uh pretty pretty sure some of this was shot in Atlanta was it the the city thing like right now I think is uh downtown LA but um I don't know. No, some of this was Atlanta, so... And Alan Hallworth, of course, did the music with John. Yeah, when they're partnered up, it's... it's a That's just... That's where it's at. And then... Of course, the... There's a lot of uh, famous scenes in this movie. A lot of stuff that sticks out to the end of time. But, uh... We'll get to that when those... When those scenes come about. But, uh... If you guys are, are playing along with us today, which we encourage you to do greatly, we're at 3 minutes and 33 seconds on the player here. So um, if you guys are watching this, uh, skip to that, and uh, we'll be all synced up, and you guys can just follow along with us as we do this. And, uh, yeah, it should be fun. All right, now we got Piper in all his glory. You're right, this was all LA. It was downtown LA? Okay. Although I've read 
I would actually question this. I, Wikipedia isn't always right. <laughs> it's not. No. Not when assholes can get in there and edit stuff out and in and whatever. Well, it doesn't say entirely in, in downtown LA. It says principally on location. So it might. It was. But I mean, they they filmed this in eight weeks. So I, you know, I don't know if they went to other places or not. I know that. That infamous fight scene between uh, Keith David and Rowdy Piper was actually all shot at once in five minutes, and uh, they rehearsed it for a long time before they shot the scene. But it was, uh, you know, it's a very, very raw fight scene, and it was pretty awesome. And of course, Rowdy Piper having experience at WrestleMania and being in the ring and shit, you know. I love how these quotes from people I've never even heard of. It's like, Jonathan Lethman called they lit. It's like, fuck you. Who cares what you think? <laughs> I don't care if he liked it or did not. It has no relevance on anything. <laughs> yeah, the, the political satire in this movie, uh, which a lot of people don't get, it was, it was John. You'd be amazed how many people that I've talked to don't understand anything about this film. This was actually John's way of uh, pointing out the uh, the commercials and the ads and stuff during the '80s, where they're basically saying, you know, everything on TV is just trying to sell you stuff now. And you know, you know what's uh, interesting? He wrote this for uh, Kurt Russell to play originally. Yeah. Yep. But he did bring Keith David over from the thing. Well, yeah, it was supposed to be the two of them. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you think about it, that would have worked, too. Right. But I think using Hot Rod was cool because um, it, it... It gave him some, some well, stardom it's, it's, other it's than not the, even, the it's wrestling. not even that. It's just there's something of... I think he plays the character. Not that Kirk couldn't have done this. Kirk could have done this with his eyes closed. But I think Roddy brings a different thing to it because he's... He he is John Nada. He's yeah, uh, you know he makes the character feel real, and he's actually because he's Roddy Piper. You think that John Nada is Roddy Piper, like John Nada is the real character and not him. You know, it kind of seems pretty real. Um, yeah, I mean it's which it is cool. Is tried enjoyed this film very much. Um, haven't watched this film enough, but I really really enjoy it. It's one I love the characters and this the, one's good. You know the the lines in this movie are fucking perfect, and you know it's a great action film. It's a great sci-fi film. It's a great you know has a lot of great horror elements to it. You know if you're afraid of aliens, then you know. But uh, apparently John Carpenter thought that Ted Turner was an alien trying to control the human race. (laughs) Well, a lot of this, what I've read is a lot of this was attacking the Bush administration or the uh, the Reagan administration. That's what I meant. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that was the whole thing, was was him uh, middle-fingering that. (laughs) Which is understandable. That and, uh, you know, in the 80s, with the Ted Turner thing, he was colorizing all these black and white films. And uh, that kind of implemented the sunglasses thing in this film, where it's like if you put on the sunglasses, you can see everything for what it really is, you know. Um, so basically, it says that Ted Turner was really a you know a monster or whatever. It's kind of funny. And here is where John meets Frank, or they work together anyway. Or, you know, you know, to me, he in, in a lot of ways, 
it's what's what's fun about this. They complement each other so well. You think they've known each other for a long time, the way they act around each other in this. They must have got along really well. And you know that's why John wanted Keith because, like I said, they didn't he didn't want a sidekick character in the Frank character. He wanted another main character, and and that I think Keith really does that in this film. He really. Uh, he seems like another main character, not even a supporting character, you know. So without the Frank character, this movie wouldn't have uh, took off. It wouldn't have made much sense either. I agree with that. And of course, you see all the uh, all the poor people, the homeless people in this area here. So you go to the city with all the nice stuff, and then you come to the to the outskirts of the city, where you see all the squalor and the and Frank's just uh, showing John around. Shit. Like honking their fucking horn while we're trying to do this. Anyway, but you know, I one of my favorite things, and this again, reoccurring character in all of John's films, is uh, one of the people at this homeless facility. Guy that was in the fog and all that. Yeah, stuff. he's that. I can never remember his name, but he's he's in he's in so much stuff. He's the janitor in Village of the Damned. He's he's in. Uh, Somebody I would have liked to have met. I mean, it would have been fun to talk to because apparently he's friends with John, so. Um. The dialogue for this film is brilliant. The way this film was shot is brilliant. This film's really perfect. There's nothing wrong with this film. If anybody ever wanted to ask, you know, did, did he do uh, a George, George film? Flower, that's who it is. If he ever did, yeah. If he ever did a perfect film, this is probably it. Yeah, and, you know, it was based off of some other sci-fi shit in, in the 60s, you know, uh, an invasion of the body snatchers-like uh, premise or whatever, but it's it's written as his own thing, you know, it's pretty cool. I think this film is just really, it's really unique, and it, it's, it's its own kind of genre almost. Well, Frank's character in this, the reason, because he had nothing to do with this, I just want to tell everybody out there this, I picked this movie to go along with our Mike Smith interview because Frank reminds me of Mike. <laughs> and I think he would take that as a huge compliment when he watches I can this. agree with that. I mean, I think I mean, it's Frank LA is a and fucking not, badass. It's, it's only, you know, it's L.A. and not New York, but he's the Frank of New York, you know. I mean, he, it's just, uh, it just made sense. The, to some degree, you know, I thought, and I wanted to tell everybody this, this movie came down to two films. It was either I was going to do this or Escape from New York. I thought about Escape from New York too, but I figured this was a better better choice. Well, after it's more political, and I won't get into too much of this to spoil the interview. But after some of the things he was saying, I thought, you know, this well, just makes sense. It's more politically driven, and he reminds me of Frank. You know, yeah. I mean, Mike does not remind me of of the Duke of New York in that movie. <laughs> so, so I had to go with this because I thought this was more of a tribute to him. Sure. He had nothing to do with picking this. We picked this, but I, I just felt like this. There he is. There's George. Yeah. But uh, 
I've, I just think this was just, I don't know, this is my way of thanking him for doing this, because to me this is... Rightfully is, so. Uh, and I think, you know, this movie is, like, all attitude also. Like, the characters are just fucking in your face. They're mad. Don't give a fuck. Yeah. They're, they're oppressed. They're trying to, uh, you know, they're <laughs> trying to lash out, so... Um, George there. So that also is a, uh, you know, a, a sacrament to uh, Mike because this movie is just the attitude of it is perfect. It's, I think it's death metal. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no uh, there's no doubt about it. There's you know there's a build to this film and there's a climax to this film right. and it's and it's all or nothing. There's no. Uh, once you're in, you're in, you know, and it all starts with all this. I want to talk about someone else that is also in this film that's a reoccurring character, and I'm going to get to that right now because I just lost my uh, place. Uh, the actor I'm about to discuss, he's been in uh, 48 Hours. Uh, he's been in, he's acted in tons of films. He's worked with John. I remember him mainly for this film. But the film that, that, that I would like to mention also, because it came out earlier this year, is Village of the Damned. He also has a huge part in. And, of course, the person that I'm referring to is Peter Jason. Right. Peter Jason has been in uh, a lot of movies that I like. He's a really good actor. I'm about to pull up his filmography here. That's him right there. Okay, yeah. He's the one running the church and the mission here. Um, let's see what all Peter's done. He did 48 Hours, which I love. He did Streets of Fire, which I love. He's in the original Karate Kid. I don't even know that. <laughs> Dreamscape, it's another good movie. Rooster's Millions with Richard Pryor. He's also in Prince of Darkness, kids. So yep. He's worked with John. He's in Alien Nation, which is a great movie. God, he's done a lot of good shit. He's in a Seagal movie called Mark for Death, which I love. He's also in John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. And Escape from L.A. He's worked with John a bunch. He's in Ghosts of Mars. Huh. Peter Jason is another guy. This guy's a standby for John. Um, he still acts up to this day, which is really cool. But either way, he's the uh, he's the guy running the church and Hot Rod right now. Of course, he's checking out what Peter Jason's doing. And he's like, what the fuck is that motherfucker up to going in and out of a church at you know three or four in the morning? I'm up because right. I can't sleep. <laughs> You know, but uh, we're at 14 minutes 43 seconds. So, if you guys are, are playing along at home or uh, hopefully not at work, but if you're if you're a cool guy and you're at work doing this, then uh, you know, uh, sync up with us and and follow along. If you've never seen this film, I'm actually going to do something to basically cut Corey and I out here a second. I highly recommend just watching this film sometime. If you've never seen it, this movie. If you're if you have any if there's any conspiracy theorist in your bloodstream, then you should watch this without us sometime. Yeah. We want you to watch it with us. But and I would never tell you to do this with any other fucking thing we've watched, but definitely watch this one by yourself. Oh yeah. And, and if- listen to everything that's going on. It's it's actually it blew me away even as a kid because as I got older I didn't you know when I was younger when I saw this at the theater I didn't realize all the political satire in it. Oh yeah. And there's Peter Jason seeing if his transmission's coming through. He's going to run off here panicking in a second. Uh, 
and of course, most of the people are actually once once all this comes out, when the when the aliens come and raid the camp later in the film, of course, most people don't sell out. Of course, George does because he's a shit in this. But <laughs> but you know, Peter's running back to the church again. Of course, Hot Rod is checking it out, and you got to love Hot Rod in this film too because it's like we're talking primo Hot Rod. This is like. I'll throw you through a goddamn wall, hot rod. Like he's like, right? You know, you know, the the glory days of wrestling, if you will. I mean, in this still WWF, you know, in this film. uh, But you know, he's like a nameless drifter guy. So, but he's what I mean is just his physique because he's still he's like ring ready for this motherfucking movie. He he comes into this city and it's not his, and he's basically policing the city. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? Something's not right. And he's just curious, and he's checking everything he can now. He doesn't care. So he he comes into the city. Well, this know, is this is this is where, this is where he finds the sunglasses. Right. So, and, but what I, what I was talking about though specifically, nothing to do with the film. I'm just saying if you if you're watching this and you don't know anything about Roddy Piper, we're ta- I mean he is ring ready here. He would fuck you up. This is like in his prime. This is right after WrestleMania three. Yeah, I mean he's film. in his prime. Mm-hmm. He's ready to go. So. John picked, I think, and I want to salute John for this. John picked him at the perfect time. Oh yeah, because he's fucking huge. I mean, I mean, as much as I love Kurt Russell, he'd throw Kurt Russell through a fucking wall at this point. I mean, yeah. he, he, this is like ring ready hot rod. Like, mm. you know, I can I can throw fucking Hulk Hogan, which is something you know, or Macho <laughs> Man. You know, he could do anything right there. Toe this to is, toe with Mr. T. Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is prima. and Square Garden. So. Kind of goes back to the New York thing, for for my definitely. I mean, you're you. Well, it, it there's so there's so much going on in this film too. And it, it, again, just watch if you've never seen this. You know, this is something you want to sit down and watch. It's just and look, guys, and I, it, that, that's one reason I'm saying you know don't you know because we're gonna I'm gonna myself Corey's gonna do it too, but I'm gonna throw so many spoilers in this. You know, I don't want to ruin it, but it's. Well, the first time I saw this, I just thought this was just good filmmaking. It's like even if John, you know, if I, because honestly, as a kid, I don't remember knowing this was a John Carpenter film. I just liked right. it because I'm too. like Hot Rods in it, you know, because yeah. it tied in, you know, and, and I'm gonna do something else here too. This also kicks to fucking Vince McMahon for being a fucking genius for letting Roddy do this. Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, am I wrong or is Hot Rod has to be one of the first people wrestlers to do Hollywood? I mean, besides this is, uh, like Hulk Hogan or yeah, that's it. Plus around because Hogan had done Rocky three prior yeah. to this, but plus around this time, you know, in WrestleMania they were trying to get stars and celebrities into their product, so they're like, hey, why don't we put our wrestlers in in, in Hollywood film and kind of bring this all together? And that's that's what they did. You know, this film actually didn't really. Do so well, but if you look back on it, this is really Roddy Piper. You know, if it wasn't framed as a wrestler, this is his main. This is his baby right here. You know what's interesting though? This film. <clears throat> I mean, I didn't look this up. I just know this. This film made more than its money back on home video. Yeah, but just not in the theater. But when it came out, you know. You want to hear another interesting thing? A lot of people don't know this. This was the. F- First release from Scream Factory. The first one. Yes, I think I remember because followed, followed later, shortly thereafter, by uh, Halloween Two. Mm-hmm. Because I remember seeing the artwork for it, and I was like, "That's really fucking cool." Yeah. And then the Halloween Two one, then they put out three. This was the know. first release that they and did. Phantasm and Phantasm Two. 
was that pretty was close late. by. No, that was later. Was it later? Yeah, that's part of their bigger wave okay. when they got to about 30, 40 films. But, oh, wow, okay. But no, but this this was... Uh, <clears throat> this was their... And, and this, this made me think to myself, okay, if they do this right, and obviously it's turned into that, a Scream Factory can do something really special because I saw this Blu-ray I was like god damn this looks great you know and it does this Blu-ray is beautiful and the cover art thing you know we haven't oh, seen awesome. that before you can flip the covers well on this one I, I think the, the their cover art sucks balls but I, well I like the, to have both to have a newly uh, packaged artwork and you can flip it to the old there was somebody whining online about I don't know why people don't like their artwork it's like well because it kind of sucks you know I'd, I'd rather have that's I'd, why you have both though I mean, for people that like the new, that, but I would if rather, people like the new artwork, that's fine. But for all the old school people that just like the regular uh, like old it. school artwork, then uh, they have they always have that too. None of mine um, you will see have that standard artwork on it, unless it's something that I'm not going to keep and I just don't give a shit. Right. But if it's something that I actually, you know, like this, any of the John stuff, I've flipped it because I don't I don't want to see their shitty artwork on that. It's like, and then <laughs> to me, it's like you're it's almost disrespectful doing well. It's just newly packaged, you know, so they don't. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's a nice I, well, see, touch to me, to as, it. A, as an older fan, it's misleading. It's like what the it fuck can is be. this? Some kind of bootleg, you know? It's yeah, but you know, it's kind of reintroducing it, so it's it's, well, it's, it's new and it's fresh. And well, no, it, let's break it down to what it really is. It's some dipshit at Scream Factory that thinks they're the ultimate fan and they really painted their stuff on it. <laughs> it's like fuck you. I don't care about. So there you go. You can get rid of your stupid artwork. I don't care about it. I don't like any of it. I honestly don't. I just think it's gay. It's like, just leave it alone. Uh, leave it alone. I don't need it. I just don't need it. You know, I didn't even mean to get into that, but it's true. I don't need arrows starting to do that. It's like, I don't need you all to put yeah, your, see, I didn't like the, uh, your artwork on stuff. I don't like any of the stuff artwork. I think I don't like either of them, honestly. I like I don't the original because like, I remember renting it on video, but it's... I don't like the original artwork, and I don't like the new artwork. I think. Well, that's... that just looks weird. A, I don't know. It is, and but I mean, that's... At least that's what it is, though. But, you know, there, Usually I just leave too. it. There's only certain ones I've tried to flip, and that's only because... I don't know. I just... Normally example, I leave like, it alone. Like for example, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, though. I, I will say this. Because either way, the... I like the ones arrows... New artwork more than I do the Scream Factories. I agree with that because that brought a reanimator to me. Is oh, it looks bitching. fantastic! Yeah, you know, and I think I think Society is beautiful. Oh, they yeah. did an outstanding job with that. <clears throat> um, but you know, to me, the Scream Factory stuff's just corny. A lot of it. it's like, like that burning cover's awful. Yeah, I don't get it. But the the thing about that is like the new cover art is always going to be on the slipcase. But when you take it out, why wouldn't you have the regular artwork? Because the slip the slipcase has to be the new artwork. Because so. again, because there's some fanboy at that company that's like, you need to see my my representation of what this movie is to be. <laughs> there's all, I'm so tired of that. There's always somebody there trying to you know cram their you know put or put their stamp on something that already exists. It's like I don't need your stamp on They Live. John Carpenter's the only stamp that needed on it. You know I don't need I don't need your take of what you think of this. And you know, and again, and, I, and I'll say this, I've never said this before, my opinion, and this is for everybody listening, it, it's just my opinion, you know. But but at the same time, I'm not trying to come into your home and redo artwork on something that you love. I'm not going to come in 
you know, I'm not a Star Wars fan. I'm not going to come in your house and try to ruin your Star Wars collection because I don't like it with my customized artwork. You know, I just, <laughs> I just don't need that. I don't need it on anything. You know, I, I like when I go into a store and buy something like, you know, like I. Oh, here, here's your perfect example. I hated the, uh, the Halloween three. Their cover of that. It's hideous. It was goofy. It's just hideous. I have the old one on my. It's like that people. One. Yeah, it's bitching. Yeah. Those kids walking with that witch. That's fucking scared the hell out of me as a kid. It still scares me a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's freaky. Deep. And it makes you want to watch it. When you pull out that new one, you just be like, "Is this like a Disney movie? What are you about?" To <laughs> yeah, it's like it looks like Disney's Escape from Witch Mountain or something. <laughs> it's like. And, and it's again. It's I, like, I is this get Halloween it. town? Or they're is this wanting Halloween to right, They're wanting to put a spin on it or whatever. I know it looks like some kind of Rob Zombie's Halloween shop thing. Because <laughs> he owns some shop online for a while called Halloween Town. Did you know that? No. Yeah, I don't know if it still exists or not, but that's gay. Um, I wanted to also tell everybody because uh, we were we were talking about this thing. We'll see how it goes. I ordered a couple things from. The uh, Fright Rags. So, uh, cheers to yeah. Fright Rags. Gave a little lo- more love to New York. But, yeah, I got a Halloween 3 shirt, and I got a, uh, which was almost gone, and I got uh Night of the Comet that was on sale. Nice. But I'm waiting to get some more stuff uh, when they have their sale coming up. So, But, anyway, Fright Rags kind of cool. Do I like everything? No, but not everybody's going to, again, you know. But I will say this: at least their take on stuff is, I feel like, is at least more it's very true uh, to the original cover art of a lot of stuff. Well, it's it, it's fun, you know. Whereas yeah. I don't, I don't get that from everything. But you know, there are people out there. I've had people tell me, "Oh, I love you know, Screen Factory's uh, new artwork stuff." I don't, but whatever. No. As a video file, because I'm, that's really what I am, just a collector of films. I don't, I don't personally like when they do that. And I'll tell you somebody else that does it, and they don't give you an option for the old... I hate Criterion's uh, covers. Those are awful. They're horrid. And it is some hipster. Well, looks like I can some... just see him fingering his his or her butthole while they're in their apartment going, I'm so witty. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that, like, it looks like they made it on a laptop. I just don't uh, like no, it. it. And it's every release they do. Like they, they never put iPad, they never put original artwork in their stuff anymore. It's always their avant garde yeah. finger my 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 fucking Prius butthole, <laughs> uh, my gluten free vagina, fucking and make my new it's not vagina, tape artwork it's, it's on It's not everything. vagina. It's vagina. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love their 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 uh, when they put something out. They it, the prints always beautiful. They always I mean I I've never seen an ugly looking Criterion Blu-ray, no. but but I don't like their uh, <laughs> hipster artwork, you know. And and people, if you ever if anybody yeah, out there's a video file, you meet people school. that are like this that only buy stuff from that company. They already think they're avant garde anyway. They're like uh, you know. That's why they put it all the David Cronenberg stuff. I have Lady Mononoke. I have the Seven Deaths we're not, of Ninja. We're not putting out John Carpenter or George Romero. We're going to put out David Cronenberg. <laughs> and I love David Cronenberg. And I and love Lady David Lynch. And Lady in the Snow. and. But it's oh. just, you know, not crazy about their artwork. I own a ton of titles on that from that company. Their titles are also overpriced. Yeah, it's like 35 bucks. And they're not packed to the nines like something like Screen Factory or a 
Arrow. Well, put out. Arrow, Arrow. It, look, here's something else I wanted to talk about. Screen Factory titles have went way up in price. Yeah. And they're not. It's because they're just now getting popular. Whereas before, I it mean, was for collectors. Now it's like everybody's like, I'm going to buy DVD right. combo. It's like, you know. Right. Um, give it Booey combo. Anyway, <laughs> but, you know, it's. I mean, I think some of the Arrow stuff's overpriced. But, you know. It's well, like, their it's stuff's like, actually limited. And it, and it yeah, goes it really out. is limited. It's Shot, you know, Screen Factory, limited. if that shit goes out of print, then it's like, sorry, Chief. I mean, yeah, you waited way too long on that. That's, like, been out for years, you know. Um, but Arrow is limited release, and uh, as far as the Grindhouse stuff, you know, the grind, some of the Grindhouse stuff is limited, some of it's not. Um, apparently, the you know that Cat in the Brain is going to be limited to three thousand, so <clears throat> definitely buy that if 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 uh, <clears throat> you want to. Uh, <clears throat> if you want to purchase Cat in the Brain, you should go ahead and pre-order it because those will be gone, and there's only three thousand of them. And, uh, Did you order yours? Yeah. That was a stupid question, wasn't it? Day, day they put it up, I was like, oh, shit. I don't think the Blu-ray and the, the thing itself is limited. They have a limited slipcase that comes with it that's uh, glow-in-the-dark that's limited to the first 3,000 copies or something. I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, you go to DiabolicDVD.com to pre-order that. You can also pre-order a lot of other shit off of there, a lot of Arrow stuff. Uh, they distribute all kinds of shit, but that's the only yeah, place. Who's this? DVD.com. <clears throat> I want to actually say something about this. They actually fucked me. Did they really? They did. That's the only um, place I can get that they, cat in the brain. Yeah, they have a relationship with Grindhouse. They butt fucked me on my. Uh, I wanted to tell you guys about this. They fucked me over on my copy of the Beyond. Really? Yes. And thank God I had ordered one at a store I won't mention, but I had ordered it. Um, Maybe I should get it from there. It's not their system. Oh. So I'm glad you ordered it. I just wanted to mention, though, on, on that release, because they, they, they never took my money, and I wanted to tell you this. They won't take it till it gets in stock, so if you have no money in the account, they'll fuck you on it. Oh, yeah. Well, that... Well, no, a lot of places <clears throat> will go ahead and take your money, which I'm fine with. What I'm saying is I thought they took my money, and they didn't, so I'm sitting there with my, you know... Head up my ass because I thought I thought okay cool I'm gonna get it and they're just like you don't have any money in your account. A lot of places do that. Uh, Amazon does not. Amazon will take your money and then be like oh well it's out of stock, which is what they did with another Grindhouse release. Uh, they did they did that with pieces for me and you remember that whole rant I went on um, in episode three I, I spoke about that and uh, Yo, yeah, on my you, other podcast I spoke well, the, about well, what it. I'm saying it's is just, you've got to be careful with them now on your release on that I think you're about going to have to do it yeah. it's not, did you know it's not even on Amazon it's on no it's the, the only place is diabolic that's why I was like why I am think I on they're, this weird website maybe they're, they're they have some kind of exclusive thing with that but I'm going to tell you what on that, that beyond I got Fucked on it. Yeah. They were like, you didn't have any money in your account. <laughs> I'm just money. like, I'm just like, <clears throat> I thought you took my money. You know. I'm like, well, not today. Um, Honestly, and I, I want to also say this: the nightmare that we had that we spoke with on another episode with Synapse, Diabolic. When I was dealing with them, when I called them, way worse, no. worse than Synapse. Wow. To me. They were awful to me because I was like, okay, well, I have the money. Can I order it? We're already out of stock. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, well, I'm and never here we go. He's, he's got the sunglasses. 
Um, but yeah, that was that was a train wreck. And then uh, you know, actually, when I was looking around on that Diabolic DVD thing, um, I found that uh, that double feature that you were trying to plug in the Tobias episode that we had just put out and it's uh the circus of fear i ordered it actually yeah they have it on diabolic dvd as well well but i got that cheaper right i'm just saying i saw it on there and i was like oh it's on there yeah because i hadn't seen it before we'll be watching one of those probably you and i in our private thing i don't think this for the podcast but you know definitely check that out uh i wanted to also say something else Corey and i haven't had time to do this we've been running around uh meeting and greeting every person in the five grove anyway all right. Uh, 30 minutes. Oh, okay. Um, but what I was going to say was we haven't had the chance, and we're going to do this. Hopefully we'll do this. Uh, we may actually be doing it very soon because it seems some of the other interview stuff that I've tried to set up has went in the toilet bowl. But uh, unfortunately, but... We're wanting to do a hammer film for uh, for Peter Cushing's uh, birthday. I yeah. figured we could, and Chris was Chris Lee's was recently too, so I thought we could pick one with both of them in it. I could dig something out. Sure. Uh, I thought maybe that would be fun to do if you want. That would be fun because um, I, I felt like I, I didn't want people to think we'd forgot about it because we haven't. I'm a huge hammer horror film fan. And if you're a Star Wars fan and you don't know anything about Hammer Horror, George Lucas was obsessed with it, and to some degree, I think, played a huge role in Peter Cushing being in the original film. Yeah, and Christopher Lee being in the later films. Sure, definitely. I think that was him majorly hat-tipping to his childhood, which is cool, but I don't think anybody gets that, because they're just like, that's little Luke's daddy! Well, he he didn't hat-tip my childhood, he he took my hat off and shit in it. But anyway, that's for another podcast. Oh, the prequel things? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just the fact that he put those guys in his film. No, that's great. He had tipped to his childhood, but I'm, I'm saying he took my childhood hat and, and took a giant... No, J.J. Abrams... Runny took, shit in it. He yeah. took a shit in mine, so right. I understand. Well, J.J. Uh, wasn't hat tipping. He was... Uh, no, he's just a clit. He was wallet tipping. <laughs> he's just a clit, so... <laughs> he's, a, he's a male clit. But it's fine. You know, I'm not too worried about it. It's one of those things where it's like, you know... People want to. Uh, so I love this this part in the film where uh, you know he's trying on the this glasses. This is the sunglasses discovery. He's seeing the black and white of everything, and uh, we're at 34 minutes and 32 seconds on here, guys. So um, you know he's at the newsstand, and this is the first time he sees that somebody's an alien here, and uh, you know he's just a fucking guy trying to you know buy a magazine and he's just an alien um but my, my favorite thing that he sees is when he looks up at the come to the caribbean and it's like you know a uh a broad in a bathing suit or whatever and then he puts it on and it was like marry and reproduce because yes. well, look that you got all this stuff there <laughs> it's like thought no yeah the thought it's it's brilliant whenever i uh see a uh sandals resort you know uh ad on tv i'm always just like come here with your prostitute and fuck Come here with your sugar mama and, and get laid, you know. So I think it's funny because I actually, when I see some of these ads on TV, I actually think like this movie, and I'm just like, you know, when I see it at Sandals Resort thing, it's just like, have your have your next two kids here. <laughs> right. You were conceived at Sandals Resort, kid, you know. So I think it's, 
this movie's... I love the money. This is your right, god. Right, yeah, this is your god. You know, this movie's really neat because, you know... I actually think John, I actually see the black and white when I'm reading stuff. Well, it's, watching it's stuff. John Middle fingering a lot of stuff. Yeah, Ted Turner and Reagan, but you know, among other things, uh, you know the. I know the Ted Turner thing. You keep bringing up. I never knew. About I didn't either, but it was on there. Apparently. Well, again, and I I want to be real specific on this. I don't trust everything I read on Wikipedia. Well, it was a quote from John. Oh. Yeah. Or he had. Written. Well, but. You know what, though? I saw some quote on, on something from him, and he was like, I never fucking said that. No, I'm not talking about that. what you're saying, but there was something online where somebody was saying, no, my, he really liked Rob Zombie very much. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I've watched fucking interviews. We'll go to YouTube and look that up. Well, that's somebody, that's just, somebody coming up to you. Him shit-canning it. That's, that's somebody talking that's somebody, their ass. Yeah, that's somebody coming up to you and just saying stuff they don't know anything about. I know tons of people like that. But, you know, this is... Uh, I can walk outside right now uh, where we're recording at, and I can just reach out and touch somebody that's full of shit. <laughs> you know, it's not hard to do, uh, unfortunately. But This is great. We're in the supermarket. Uh, and this, of course, is where the shit hits the fan. You can see that, you know, only like two people in the store are actually normal, and the other ones are just aliens. Which basically says that, you know, they're just consumers and all they're doing is buying stuff and, you know. Um, I love this. It just looks like me walking around somewhere. Yeah. We don't day. need the sunglasses. It's already there, you know. Yeah. We have the contacts in, but. It's just pissing Roddy off. You can tell he's not even concerned or scared. He's just fucking pissed. And it's great. This, you know, this movie's not a gore film. It's not a death. You know, it's not a. a a horror movie per se, but the attitude is what makes this film death metal. It's just, and and the political aspect of it is very death metal. You know, it's uh, it's it's oppression, and you know, Roddy Piper just fucking snaps, and it's great. You know, so really the the attitude of what what death metal is, not so much the the contents of it. it that's what this film I think represents. It's very uh, it's very apparent. Because a lot of people don't. Excuse me. <laughs> what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, I think death metal has lost its attitude over the years, and I think, you know, um, and we discussed that with Mike. Yeah, I think it's lost its attitude, and a lot of people are either just trying to get a paycheck now, or it's just about being like sounding tough, not actually being tough. Because part of writing death metal, folks, is not about trying to write the heaviest thing there is. It's about getting your frustrations out on on the instrument itself and just writing something positive out of your anger, you know. And it sounds cheesy, but that's exactly what, what it is. And, and if you listen to original death metal and, and the old school stuff, you can tell how by the intensity how, you know, uh, awesome it is and, and how real it is. And nowadays you can tell as soon as you press play on a newer band... If it's if it's uh, a piece of shit or not, if it's uh, fake, you know, it's pretty easy to spot. If it's not real attitude, it's just it's just, you know, uh, uh, if they're just uh, trying too hard or they're just trying to sound tough. You mean like all deathcore? Yeah, but there's a difference between authenticity and you know the uh, actual extremity of everything. So. And now this cop asshole, we're getting 
getting down to the nitty gritty here because Roddy's figuring everything out and now these uh, aliens know who he is. And they look fucking nasty. I mean, these aliens are pretty scary, you know. How they infiltrated the human race with all their ads and all this stuff. And of course the the police are a bunch of cocks in this movie. So. Well, the police are cocks anyway. Yeah. At least everywhere I've ever lived. Except surprisingly Atlanta. I never really had any issues with them. Definitely. Yeah, they're actually very nice cops that I've ran into. Uh, now this cop actually looks like an alien without the sunglasses on. And there you go. Brody Piper clothesline. And we're just... Who doesn't want to see police get the shit beat out of them by Roddy Piper? I mean, right away, this, this film fucking rules. And there you go. Cop gets shot in the fucking face. And then, you know, Roddy Piper figures out that he can use his gun and kill these fucking aliens. So that's exactly what he's going to do in just a little bit. When he takes his fucking shotgun, and this is where he says the infamous line that will, uh, that stood out in film history and has been borrowed by a lot of other, a lot of other things. Here we go. This is the pinnacle of this film, guys, and this is, this is just so fucking awesome. I think you know where we're going with this. Unless you've never seen it. Unless you've never seen it. So that's where this line comes from. If you've heard it before but don't know where it came from, this is it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> and then just back to the to the chaos. The cop tries to shoot him and he missed. He shoots the fucking clerk and Every, he's just blowing fucking brains in this scene. It's awesome. Um, I want to go back to something a second. Uh, we've got we've had the pleasure of interviewing some really cool people. I really had a lot of fun interviewing Michael last night. This I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. Uh, yeah, it was amazing, man. Uh, a lot of insight from the You're a suffocation the fan. That this is where it's at. It was. I, I honestly think this is an interview that nobody's had before with with. Oh no, we we, we with definitely Mike or anybody in suffocation. That. You know, we got a lot of. Uh, you know, um, got a lot of insight on the band's history and how everything went down uh, later on, and just the whole honestly the whole evolution of the band and where it is now. We got from him and you know his side. He of the gave story. me a different stance on the band. Yeah. So um, it, it was very it was very cool, and uh, you know we'll we'll get to that here in a little bit. But I think you guys will that really awesome. really enjoy it, and I think it's it's awesome something awesome, that awesome. that nobody's gotten uh, so far. So. I haven't listened to it since we did it, but I'm really happy with it. I am too. And I think this movie uh, reflects that a lot. I mean, in a way, I kind of wish we'd done Escape from New York for it, but at the same time, this just made more sense to me because Mike is Frank in this film. 
And uh, Corey and I are Hot Rod, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Or I'm Hot Rod. I don't know. Well, no. It's kind of a combo. <laughs> hot Rod's not really angry enough in this to be me. But. <laughs> I mean, if I'm anybody from John's films, I'm And there I'm is uh, Meg Foster. Yeah, which, you know, her character in this... I mean, she's a piece of shit. Right. She turns out to be. You know, you don't really know, but... She does a really good job with it. Yeah. And she worked with John more than once. What was the other film she did with with him? I don't remember. Mm. But she's worked with him more than once. I want to say Village of the Damned. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. Let me find out. I could actually be wrong, but I'm pretty sure she's worked with him more than once. Because there's an interview with her on something that I watched recently, and they were talking about it, and I was just like, oh, that's weird. I know she was in the Masters of the Universe film, which I loved. Yeah, she was uh, Evil... Uh, evil Lynn. Yeah, Evil Lynn. Which is great. That's a great film. Are they, are they going to put The Rock as He-Man in that film, the remake? Do what now? So I know they're, they're supposed to be doing a new He-Man. Are they going to have The Rock ruin that, too? I think so. Because apparently it's like, if it's not J.J. Abrams or Michael Bay ruining your childhood, they're going to make sure The Rock ruins it, too. He's in way too much shit. <clears throat> He's signed on for, like, 40 films in the next year. No, she didn't work with him again. I thought she did. Okay. That's what it was. She was supposed to have been in... Uh, she was supposed to have been in a movie with John. Or done a film with John, but uh, it never happened. I wish it had. I think she's a great actress. Um, if you guys are... Now, that guy looks like Captain Lou Albano, but I don't think it is. <laughs> that guy in this Hawaiian shirt right here. Basically, they're acting like a married couple. And then you find out it's just she has like these two gay neighbors or whatever, which is really funny. It's like, oh, she usually doesn't have male guests over. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 he look like Captain Lou Albano. Yeah, so what's funny? I feel about like that. he was a wrestler. What's funny about that? And and I mean, my cousin is gay. I have nothing against gay people, but I think what I think's funny about those two guys is one of them's kind of like, I kind of want to eat her pussy, and, and the other guys like, like the, the two fruit. They're the two bears that, yeah. that live next door. It's just, it's not. There's, it's not even gay. It's just. It's just weird that they're in the film. I just think it's weird at some point that John's like, I need to put these two gay bears in this film. Well, I th- It's I, just weird to me that I they're in he, it. I think he put it in there not only for comedy, but because it's also a... Social part. satire. It's a, yeah, it's a political standpoint. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it's a probably a And stance. also, you don't know... We all should stand together. You also, know? you don't know uh, if he put the sunglasses on, they were probably normal. And they weren't aliens. Oh, I'm sure. And that's something, I would that, agree with that. that's something that John makes you yeah. think about, but I think he puts them out there... Because it's a. But I remember just thinking that it was just random as right, a kid. It's yeah. just like. Well, yeah, you don't get it when you're growing up, and then when you get older, you're like, shit. These guys are just normal people. I mean, you don't fully know they could be aliens anyway. But I think with John's uh, 
John you know. hates gay aliens. No, <laughs> but he loves the normal ones. No, but I would say I would say you're right. I bet they're not. Yeah, aliens. I think that they were put in here because of all the political stuff, and they didn't really. It's not a social issue movie, so I think putting them in there, um, you know, they make it into a uh, saying that that's not a problem or that's not a an issue. It's not something pressed on by the aliens trying to take over the human race. Is the well, you know, on a on a side note to this, for some reason, and I'm not really sure why, but you know, she's just a she's a strange looking woman. But for some reason, I wanted her to play with my wiener when I was a kid. Yeah, I wanted her to pretend she was my mommy and whack my wiener <laughs> beefy off. In the sunglasses, yeah, she's not very attractive, but it seems like she's. But she is attractive. It's weird. She's kind like, of seductive looking. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. It's but weird. I can totally see that. Yeah. Her, but she she's has, not, but she is. She has a know. suggestive uh, face. You know what I mean? Like she's kind of looking at you. Like all of her eyes, she looks like a demon or something. Yeah. Well, if you if you look at her, she's kind of saying to you like. And of course, Rob Zombie yeah. had to put her in Lord of Salem. She's a witch, an American witch. I gotta put her in my film because I'm a fucking uh, dreaded uh, dipshit. American witch. You know, I th- say he put Dee Wallace and Meg in, in the film, which I thought was great because they're great actresses, but. It's still he a Rob Zombie shit. I'm a hard guy. I got Ken Forey and Brad Dorioff. I'm gonna get together with the guy that did the hatchet films and tell everybody how we invented horror with Tom Serox. <laughs> Human Centipede. That's another thing too. I don't know. There, there's something about sorry the, guys. We just the businesswoman attire that I was. She looks to good and from you know women like that wouldn't fart on me if I, they were paid to. So. Yeah. You know, to to fantasize about it, I guess. It kind of looks like she would, though, in this film. It looks like... Maybe. You don't know. She's like... Because I think she kind of wants Roddy's dick, but she wants him to come to the other side. Yeah. You know, kind of thing, but... Well, he wants to come inside. But, yeah. (laughs) I mean, seriously. But just looking at her, she's kind of suggesting, like, you know, if you you play your cards right, I'll jerk you off when my husband's at work. You know, she kind of seems like that type or whatever. Or I'm a I'm wid I'm a widow. I need I need a peepee to jerk off. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean. And then yeah, you're like, well, I have a peepee, and I'm I'm alone in my house watching your movie. There's something about oh, this is paydirt here. Oh. And he did this stunt. He just chucks his ass out the fucking window. I wanted to mention that to everybody listening to this. I mean, I think it's brilliant. John Hot Rod did that dive out of that build out of that house. He's know. a badass. It's like oh, it's like off the top rope. But, I mean, that's impressive. And it's also smart on John's part. It's like, let me get a wrestler, and then he can do his own stunts and actually be this guy that's having this hellish day. Yeah. Because your world's upside down. You already, you know, you move out somewhere, you're living in a in a damn, uh, <laughs> excuse me, you're living in a, in a fucking homeless shelter park thing, and it's like, and now you find out the world's being run by aliens, your day's not going too hot. No, you might as well, uh... Get thrown out of window. And he realizes. I mean, that's another thing. You, you, he realizes. No one's gonna believe him. You know, excuse me. Nobody's gonna believe this story that he has to tell. Yeah. I mean, he did. He's been through hell. He had a whole box of those sunglasses. And of course, uh, what a shock that the cops or the alien. You know, it's so many. Just you know. There's a lot of fuck use to this. Oh, the precursor to the Rodney King thing. There's all kinds yeah. of shit that. I mean, I think John just for doing this just says 
what he thought about everything at the time. Because the 80s was a huge... This is an angry film. He, you can tell he's mad. And the characters are mad. The attitude's very... Yeah, I mean, Very it's, mad in this film, and I think it's... It's not subtle, either. It's right no. there. It's like, they're mad. Yeah. You Peter gets, Jason's character, the guy that, to go back to him, that runs the church, you know he's mad. Yeah. And, of course, Hot Rod's trying to get back to the church now to, to basically be like, look, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it, guys. I, I I stole some. I'm sorry, but I get it. Hmm. Um, and to go to what I was talking about with the Rodney King thing is here in a minute you'll see the black priest getting beat up by the cops yeah and he's blind it's just awful you know but and he just has to use his faith to believe stuff he, he can't even see or use the sunglasses you know these fucking cops are whipping up on him here soon but yeah I mean you at this you know he's he's lost his job now yeah you know, but but you you, you got to feel for him. He's just like, and I'm sure at this point he's not slept much. He's probably just running on adrenaline. Yeah, kind of like we are for this podcast today. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just one of those things. It's like I think, and this I don't know why, and it's not an insult, but for some reason Frank to me, and this is why I picked it. It just reminds me of Mike. I, I just I feel I feel like he's, you know. You know, I'm here. I'm I'm providing, and and but you know, don't fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> it's weird because Roddy's a drifter, but he doesn't look like one. You know, he's wearing the same clothes every day and shit. But you know. <laughs> And Frank wants nothing to do with 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 Nada here. He's just trying to do his job, and you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now they got him on television. They're showing his little his little uh, headshot here, which is pretty funny. So now all the aliens, you know, they know who he is by now. Anyway, after that bank scene, and of course, here we get into. Uh, Believe this is where the fight scene happens between him and him and Frank. This is where they tussle here, and of course now he's trying to look for the sunglasses stash that he threw away, and uh, which you know at the time he just grabbed a pair of sunglasses. He had no idea that he could see what he was seeing, you know, see the black and white. So uh, he's trying to look for those that box of sunglasses because he. Now he realizes he he fucked up. Welcome to Piper's Pit, ladies and gentlemen. I am Mean Gene Oakland. <laughs> I had to. Anyway, and he finds. We his- love you, Hot Rod. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, you were a fucking badass, and, you know, love you in the ring, and this film, I love you for this film. It's like, fucking it's awesome. awesome. And, of course, he finds the, the sunglass box, but I think he only finds one one working pair here. You got to meet Hot Rod. I did. He was not there the day that we went. For some reason, I used to have to go to conventions. I learned the hard way. Right. You don't go to fucking conventions on a goddamn Sunday. You have to go on a Saturday. A Saturday is the day where they'll all be. You, some people only come on Saturdays, so you have to do it. 
Sunday's the last day. It's really short. Most people aren't there. Um, you know, most people there Friday and Saturday only or Saturday only. And here's here comes Frank, and this is this this is my favorite part of the movie. It's probably most people's favorite part um, besides the, the the bank scene. But uh, you know, he had to find out if, if Frank was an alien or not. He just had to find out. But uh, they shot this scene all in one take, and it was five minutes long of these guys. It looks, it's like a real fight. It's fucking insane. Like I actually, when I was growing up, I thought they were really beating each other's asses. Did you, uh, you think this was a real fight when you were growing up? No, but I just enjoyed it. I actually thought because it was Roddy Piper, I thought they were really fighting. Well, I mean, to some degree, I think they are. Because I thought wrestling was real when I was younger. You know, I mean, they're definitely throwing each other around. Yeah, and they they do it all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you either put on these sunglasses or start eating that trash can. And this is how it goes. The, well, I love it. Did you? It, what Frank says to me is like, not this year. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> this is just great. This scene. It's such a good fight. All in one. It's take. long too. This Five is minutes like- long. All at once. They just rehearse this fucking thing and they never stop filming it. They just let them go go for it and it's. It's one of my favorite fight scenes in all of all of film, you know, uh, all of cinema. I think this this fight takes on a lot of other fight scenes that I love, and it's just better because the way it was shot. He's all he's trying to do is put the fucking sunglasses on him, and he's like, "Fuck you, man!" You know, he's not having it. Well, like, Frank I don't, doesn't understand. He thinks he's been out killing people. He's Frank's still brainwashed here. Yeah. You know, he still believes in everything that's going on, and. But, you know, Roddy's not going to let up. He's going to be like, put on the fucking glasses. <laughs> and he's just getting pummeled. This is just such a great scene. This scene is, is, is death metal. It's like, welcome to Piper's Pit. Here it is. That's why I did it. I thought it would be. Yeah. Now, when I met Roddy, uh, one of the nicest people I've ever met, uh, when you just, like, see him, it wasn't so much, like, I was awestruck. It's just he had he had like a presence to him where he sure seemed, he seemed like I wasn't scared or nervous to talk to him. I felt like I've known him for years. It was very strange. It was almost like he was an uncle of mine or something when I met him. But uh, I actually bought a Roddy print from him. You know, like the wrestling print. You got it signed. And uh, well, I got it for my cousin for his birthday, and he signed it as. I came here to do two things, shoot bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. And, you know, so that was pretty awesome that he, he signed the Roddy Piper thing with that quote from this movie, which is very cool. But he is just so nice to me. You know, he said, uh, he was like, where are you from? You don't sound like you're from here. I said, I'm from Long Island, New York. And uh, he was like, oh, I spent a lot of time in Long Island, New York. I feel like we would have been great friends if we had grown up at the same time. That's crazy. I just thought that was crazy he said that to me. I was like, I've never heard anyone say that to me before. It's cool, man. Let alone Roddy Piper. And there you go, the fucking backdrop. There's classic wrestling moves here for Roddy Piper in this film. Um, I don't know. He was just so genuine, and uh, it's a really tough loss. You know, um, whenever that happened, I was actually pretty... You know, I wasn't a huge fan of his wrestling. I was more so a fan of him in this film than I was of his of his wrestling. But, you know, I loved him for both of those things. But after I met him, it put a whole new perspective on him for me. And I really uh, was saddened by the loss because of when I met him, he was just such a great person, you know. Um, so that really fucked with me for a little while. But, um, you know, 
for him to do the stuff that stands the test of time, like not so much as wrestling, but this film is just, you know, a perfect film. And, it, you know, watching this is actually makes me feel a lot better because I don't think I've watched it since uh, he passed away. And this is just very cool that we're watching this. Now, you know, it'd be funny if it was... Uh, I, want, I wish they made a movie similar to this, but it was it was Mike and, and Frank from Suffocation in a film together. That would just be the funniest shit. Now, I got these films that Frank is actually in. They did these, like, weird, like, C movies that have Frank you in You bought them at that... I bought them at that convention, convention yeah. I went to. And in one of them is called I Spill Your Guts, and there's another one. And Frank's the killer in one of them, and it's just funny. I've only watched one of them. It's just really... I mean, they're C movies. They're filmed in like a fucking... Corey, it was good to see you out at something, man. You never go to anything. <laughs> and they're filmed at like motels. I don't know. They're... You know, the, uh, the... I met the director who I bought the films from, and he was pretty cool. He's a huge death metal guy. There's all kinds of death metal cameos in that film. Like, you know, I guess he films these in L.A. with all these guys. But, uh... You know, so Frank has some filmography on him. That's and, weird. You know, I don't think he would do it now, but I would love to see uh, Mike Smith and, and Frank Mullen in a fucking movie together, like the like they live. It'd be fucking funny. I know it'll never happen, but that's just a fantasy of mine, you know. Because I would probably watch that movie every fucking day of my life. And now, finally, he put the damn sunglasses on Frank, and now Frank's seeing these aliens stand there. After all this this five-minute fight, he's, like, freaking out because he's seeing all this, you know, all the little drones roaming around, and then the billboards for what they really are, and the, the alien people. Oh! So now, now Frank's on board with uh, with John here, and now they both got sunglasses because he found one more pair and he knew exactly who it was for. Because why wouldn't you, if you see somebody like Frank in a construction yard, why would you give anybody else a pair of sunglasses but that guy? And he's like, let me take you into your into this. Uh, that looks like fucking Boris Karloff. It does look there. like Boris Karloff. be weird if it was. It's or it weird. looks like the guy, it's like, he's got a death curse! <laughs> I mean, they just beat the living fuck out of each other. They look terrible right now. <laughs> They're both just, like, limping to their room. <laughs> it's just funny. Well, Frank didn't want to listen to, you know, he tried to do it, do it easy, but they had to, you gotta do it the hard way. Yep. I think that's just how Frank lives, you know. And you know that's how John lives, because he's a fucking drifter, so... This is obviously not the first fight he's ever been in. Oh, yeah, definitely hot rod. Maybe the first fight that came out of putting on a pair of sunglasses, but... Um, you can tell by how well he handled himself in the fight and all the wrestling moves that he's... Uh, it's not his first rodeo. But, I mean, he got his ass kicked, and they, they, they both just look like 
fucking prunes right now. Yeah, that 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 uh, you know, I I saw this and then obviously, minute work. I think he's funny in minute work. Yeah. I keep trying to find that movie and I just can't. <clears throat> I've never seen it in a store. I had to buy it. Well, I mean, I got it in a store, but I wouldn't get it. Right. Well, that that easy money <clears throat> minute work thing's like fifteen bucks online, like used even. So I'm like, fuck, I gotta find that. It's good. Adam McKay's or whatever. And uh, get it there. Which is not a horror film at all. It's a Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen comedy, but I fucking love that movie. No, it's funny. It's one of the best comedies, I think. Actually, Emilio Estevez directed that. Yeah. And wrote it. So I'm actually the same about horror movies as I am for comedies these days. I just like watching the older shit I grew up with. Totally agree. I can't. You know, I'll check out newer comedies. I usually get excited for newer comedies, but in, in the end, they just end up being train wrecks. And they're... I don't like wholesome endings. It's like, I don't I don't want a resolution, per se. Like, you can have your little resolution, but I don't want it to stay... You know, I don't... I don't know. I just... Uh, <clears throat> I just want it to be funny all, all around. I don't... I don't want to have like a moral of the story because it's a fucking comedy film that's rated R. So I don't have to have Facebook. This is sorry, guys. I'm talking business during the podcast, but I don't have to have this to keep the messenger. No. Okay, then I'm getting rid of this. I don't need this fucking thing. Yeah. Because the messenger's all I need while we're separate. doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be on there trying to add people while we're, you know. Yeah. Yes, I want to uninstall this because I don't want this turd on my phone. <laughs> I just need the messenger. That's all I need. Right. And I'll leave the messenger, but I don't need that other guy. Thing. <laughs> Fun. And Corey's got lots of gas today for you guys. <laughs> he ate something he wasn't supposed to last night, apparently. Right. Yeah, I literally took one bite of uh, Taco Bell. I didn't take another bite, so I was sharing it with my girlfriend, and it today you're regular. It made me. It made me like really sick. What did she eat? And I had to shit all night. It was just a, uh, just a fucking like burrito or something. <laughs> oh, there you go. And I was like, Burr. those double beef burritos. You better have a toilet nearby. Right. So Frank and John Nada, Roddy Piper, that's his character. Anyway, they are chilling in a hotel room, finally getting to relax, probably in a long time for Roddy. Yeah. For uh, for John Nada, I guess he's. Hot Rod is definitely needing some rest because he's gotten knocked out of a goddamn thing. He found out all these aliens were there and it's just a fucking shitstorm. Although I have to say, bringing Meg Foster back into the fold is kind of on them. Right. Not on not on, uh, not on, on Frank, but on... Uh, there's Peter Jason in the sunglasses. He's like, oh yeah, i got to go talk to Frank.
world needs a wake-up call. We're going to give it to them. We're going to phone it in. <laughs> now to uh, throw some, some metal releases at you guys. The new uh, Dark Funeral is out. Not according to the... Well, the CD's not. It's only on iTunes. Oh, it's out now. When I looked that up the other day, it was basically saying that it wasn't out. For the, if I haven't told you guys on the podcast mm-hmm. before, I still physically buy CDs. So That's the... Uh where oh, June 24th is when it comes out. Oh, well, I guess there's still the, the pre-orders of it. See? Oh. Yeah, it's not out physically. Plus, it's out in But if you've got iTunes, you can get it now. Yeah, you go to iTunes, you can buy it, yes. Digitally, not physically. Uh, we want we want you to steal it digitally, but we're going to make Scott wait because he physically buys a copy of it. <laughs> Because I'm a horrible person. Um, but CM Distro has stuff up now. It's actually got a really badass T-shirt with it. Uh, if you get the the LP, it's a limited uh, red 12-inch dong. It's uh, about 33 bucks, but the T-shirt's pretty bitchin'. It's the album cover, but the logo's stretched out where it's actually pretty cool. You see the? I think it's pretty badass. No, it is cool. But if the album's a uh, you know, a turd, I'm not going to buy the shirt, and then I'm stuck with the shirt from the album I hate, you know. So the good thing about the iTunes thing or SoundCloud or whatever it's on right now, uh, you can listen to it before you buy it, which, you know, unless you're a person that just trusts the band or whoever, then, you know, you can go ahead and just buy it, and maybe you just collect it either way. But uh, for me, I like to preview stuff before I buy it. Holy shit. And, you know... And also, what they have up on there is the new... Oh, shit. The new uh, Unleashed as well. If you're an Unleashed fan, that new record, Where No Life Dwells, is up on there. And that is actually out. That came out uh, today, actually. Well, I know what I want for my birthday. What's that? And I hope you will get this for me. Of course, this Where No Life Dwells is actually... A, uh, a packaged reissue. It was from their 1991 album, and it's uh, the 25th anniversary. So, oh man, it's the first six albums digitally remastered. God, that's a good price for it too. Uh, for all you classic metal fans here, and this isn't really death metal, but it's fucking metal as uh, the definition is. Uh, they got it. what's called the Decade of Dio box set from 83 to 93. It's a six-CD set, and it's only 35 bucks. It comes out July 22nd, and that is, you know, the first fucking six records. You know, that that's all the shit right there. So um, that's going to be awesome. It's got Holy Diver, The Last in Line, Sacred Heart, Dream Evil, Lock Up the Wolves, and Strange Highways, which is fucking awesome. So uh, it's got uh, new artwork on it. And uh, Ronnie's labels he's putting it out. The the new artwork is actually by Mark Sasso, who 
did Dio's album cover. Yeah. So this isn't somebody from from Scream Factory making his own <laughs> take on the uh, classic. <laughs> this is actually the fucking guy that did the artwork for the Dio Records, doing the newly distributed artwork for the box itself. So that's pretty fucking awesome. Um, I'm buying the shit out of that. Well, I'm buying it for you. Don't fucking buy it. I know you'll probably buy it anyway. <laughs> I gotta have two copies, Corey. I'm not opening mine. Thanks for buying me another one. I think you need to buy it for yourself. How about yourself? you buy me it for my birthday? But Well, now it comes out after my birthday. Fuck. I was going to say, I can buy yours and you can buy mine. We can do it that way. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to have you get me something different because that, that's something easy to get. I, li- I like having more unique gifts. Yeah, it's only, uh, you know, that's really cheap for what it is. I think it's perfect. Uh, I mean, we should just get it, but I don't think we should get it as a gift. Right. I'll probably end up buying it. And then yeah, we both and then buy. next week, guys, we got fucking clean your clock. The the last uh, Motorhead performance, which was in Germany, and uh, that's a new live uh, DVD that's coming out and CD, which is awesome. We've never done this, and I'm just gonna throw this out right now. Uh, I almost kind of want to do an episode where we watch that Blu-ray. I think it'd be great. We should. Corey and I had the privilege of seeing Ronnie last year. We did. Uh, I have to give Corey all the credit in the world. I was really financially strapped and everything else, and we actually made it happen, and we went. Uh, we could actually do an entire podcast about going to that show. We can. There's a, a whole, there's a whole lot of... Not the uh, show. The show was awesome, but... There's a whole lot of shit going on with that. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, you know, I think that's a great idea, honestly. I mean, I don't know. I pulled that out of my butt. Uh, I wanted to mention one that came out, and I'm going to have to buy this. The new Candle Mass is out. Yeah, there's Death Thy Lover or whatever it's called. I mean, called. I don't know if it's a turd or not. I haven't listened to uh, it yet, but I'm going to buy it anyway. It's an EP. Oh, okay. I haven't heard much of the newer band stuff. So, um, you know, I, I saw them two years ago when I went to Maryland and they were awesome so I'm guessing that's the lineup that they that they're doing it with now uh, I'm not sure if they just had that singer for live stuff or what they're doing but <laughs> yeah. Wolf, Wolf Hoffman from Acept has an album coming out it's pretty awesome yeah I don't know if it'd be any good or not. Again, it's not Death Metal Guys, but now, I Now, like tell the them about uh, Abominator that you have. Yeah, uh, actually, I'm going to pull, uh, pull that up, actually. Um, Abominator from Australia. They're like a uh, a black thrash band, mostly. Um, very black metal. It's very speed. It's very speed oriented. It's very fast. Uh, not so much blasting, but you know, it's just the intensity of it's very, very fast. And uh, yeah, they're great. They're a great band. Okay, uh, here in this scene, there is a lot of fucking gore in this. There's just police shooting all these fucking people, and Meg Foster's trying to get away, and you know, Evil Proclaimed is the Evil Proclaimed. It came out the end of last year uh, from Abominator from Australia. They remind me of Venom. Yeah. Okay. And I also want to plug this label. I follow them on Twitter. I really like the he- the Hell's Headbanger label. Yeah. I think they're. Uh, Didn't they put out the uh, Satanic Warmaster stuff? Were they on that? Yes. Okay. They they put out a lot more like underground black metal stuff uh, from all over the all over the world, uh, not just the U.S. But uh, they're uh, they're a very good site as far as uh, you know 
media and 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 merchandise they have very good merch and uh they have really cool patches on there if you're a patch collector um they do these shows every year where they do a hell's headbangers fest and they actually have a lot of really awesome bands that where do they have that at um i'm not sure probably europe i think they do in the u.s actually they have really? the Hell's headbangers uh showcase in, in the u.s i think they did last year um but yeah they they have a lot of really good artists on that label that they're not really recognized as much i know they're plugged in a lot of a lot of magazines and shit like that but they don't they're still not as recognized as they should be, as well as the bands that they that they put out. I think are very underrated, and uh, you know they uh, do these DVDs where they they you know film the shows that they do, and and they're actually really cool. So if you're into live DVD stuff, then definitely check that out as well uh, from Hell's Headbangers and uh, pick up some merch and and other shit from them. They have a really good assortment of of merch and stuff. So. Um, Back to the film, shit has hit the fucking fan here. They're just getting shot by these fucking alien police. And uh, <clears throat> one of their little Rolex watches just went haywire, and now they're going down the manhole trying to get away. And I love how uh, Roddy's just got this fucking grease gun, and he's just taking off. It's pretty awesome. Basically, I think that manhole thing was some sort of like a, almost seemed like a damn portal is what it looked like. But <laughs> now they're in the the belly of the beast right now, underneath the city here. Yeah, this is the. They're on the outside of the television station. Right. And this is an hour and 17 in, so uh, if you are uh, still following along with us, we appreciate that. For anybody that actually takes the time to sit here with us the whole episode and uh, follow along, we really appreciate that. And uh, we're glad that that you want us to be your audio commentary while you watch this. I think that's really cool. And uh, if you want to, you know, uh, feel free to, to comment on this. You can hit us up on Twitter at Phantasm Podcast and... Uh, SoundCloud and iTunes as well, and just uh, you know, let us know what you think, and uh, you know, give us some feedback on it. If you know, we don't take open requests, but if if there's something you think we really need to do, uh, just we're, just odds let us are know. if it's we're probably getting to it. We just haven't yeah. had so much time. We have today. a long list of stuff that we, of course, we want to do, but we just we kind of pinpoint what episode, you know. Between the episode, we kind of just pull it out of a hat and we just go for it. Um, you know, normally it's it's the doctor's choice. You know, he'll bring over a few goodies and I'll I'll uh, put my input on it and we'll just collaborate and try to pick something really good. Um, you know, I've picked one or two films out of all these, both of them being Italian films, which I apologize for. No, you're fine. That's <laughs> so I know you're thing. not a really that's big your fan thing. Of. It, well. I, the the stuff that I like, like Fulci, my favorite movie is The Beyond. Right. I love that Which movie. Which we haven't I think done. It's great. No, I really like that one. But the thing with Italian movies, but, they're but, very and, slow. And, uh, who's the other cat that I like? I like the guy that did Bay of Blood. Mario Bava. I like <coughs> I like him. Did he do... Who's in the, Who did Demons? I like that movie. Lombardo Bava. I like that. Mm-hmm. And I like The Church. Oh, it's a great movie. Uh, so there are things that I like, right. but I'm real picky about it. Sure. And the Argento stuff, uh, 
and we'll just go ahead and just say we're going to do this because we probably are going to do it when we have the time. I guess we're going to do Tenebroy because we both own it. So Yeah, I think we should. I've only seen it once. I haven't seen it since I rented it on VHS. Wow. So. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, it definitely has for me. And there's George again. Yeah. He's sold out. He's made his money. Yeah, he's, he's not a, a millionaire. Yeah. He's loving it. He's loving the aliens. He's sucking that alien cock. Yeah. And uh, it's something John Carpenter doesn't want us to do. So it's basically showing you what a douchebag you are when when you yeah, when you dick, suck that it's a, dick. It's a dick move. You suck that dick. So um, and we're inside the compound. I mean, we're in the the headquarters here. We're in the main thing, which is obviously connected to the television stations and God knows what else. I would you know backstage at the show is what George just says, letting them know. And he's showing him his 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 watch where he can escape with because he's a little rat turd. Um, Which is funny. He's he's you know he's a human, so he's more welcoming to these guys knowing about all this bullshit. Because he thinks they've sold out. Yeah. So he has no idea, you know. And now we're looking at the transport station from how the flight from Alpha Seven to Andromeda, which is the the two planets they're talking about. I'm assuming that the aliens have come from. Uh, so, which I always thought this was really interesting. Yeah, because I totally just beam them straight to it. It's like a Star Trek move right there. Well, it's... They, they just beam them right to the weird. planet. There's no uh, ships like, or anything. Yeah, they just kind of... Actually, it's more like Galaxy Quest, but... <laughs> or, or Stargate almost, you know. I mean, they just take off into the fucking... Yeah! You kind of like Stargate, well, sort of, but... Well, Stargate... It's a gravitational kind of... lens, according to George. So... And Frank, of course, he's put out. Roddy's pissed. They're keeping their cool. But you can even see it on Frank's face. He's mad. He's just like, who is this guy? This guy's a turd. Yeah, they're ready to kill him right now. He doesn't even know it. It's pretty funny. Like, I liked you better when you were stinky and didn't have a house or a place to live. Hmm. Like, that suit looks gay on you. You're not James Bond, anyway. My the, my favorite part with George in this film is earlier in it. And I, we were talking during it. I didn't even see it come up the same. It's where he was like, like, these assholes are cutting in on my television. Well, what he says exactly, he goes, it's just that asshole licking his nuts again. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. And this is where you're in the the control, the, yeah, the control center here. CNN, if you will. Yeah. Actually, no, Fox News. Fox News, uh-huh. that's better. I've actually been to the CNN control room. Really? Yeah. In Atlanta, that's where CNN is. So I went there, as a did like a tour of it. Of course, the first time I ever went to that building, I shit in their bathroom five times in it. In one Why day. were you in there? I was dicking off, waiting for a show down there at the Phillips Arena, so I I don't, oh, I don't know what I ate. Tony Rucker? Yeah, with Rucker. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know what I ate that day. You Obviously, the hot it was probably Dairy Queen, knowing him. I don't know. Come on, man. It ain't food. It's fan food, It's fan food. <laughs> it's, like, it's food, fart bitch. food. <laughs> it's not fan food. It's fart food. Because I, I went in there, and I just destroyed that fucking toilet. I had to... My ass was so fucking raw in that... Come on, be serious. Oh, this these is al- awesome those, right here. Those aliens suck it. Yeah, let's shoot these motherfuckers. These uh, aliens aren't really scary. They actually make me mad. They're like really annoying looking. Oh yeah, they look like hipsters, honestly. Yeah, they're, they're like buy iPhone and watch Walking Dead. 
pretty much, yeah. Just shoot their ass, you know. That's pretty much the deal. <laughs> You're talking about stuff that came out today again. I got to mention it because it's really the only thing I saw that I really have an interest in buying, and it's not death metal, but I mentioned it before. The new Jorn cover album's out. Oh yeah. Yeah, it came out. So hopefully, hopefully my copy is waiting on me at the store that I bought it. Which he does, Rainbow in the Dark, which is amazing. Yep. He does a bunch of weird stuff on there. He does Don't Stop Believing by Journey, which I think is weird. Uh, no, I'm does, sure we've plugged uh, Hotel him. California. Awesome. Which is weird. But. I'm sure we've plugged him before, but Jorn Landy is a Norwegian badass. He's really the living uh, testament to Dio. And uh, his music, he's, you know... Um, I feel like classic rock, like classic He filled metal. in for, for Dio as well during the Heaven and Hell stuff, yep. which is awesome. So... You know, if, if you love Dio even remotely or uh, even Black Sabbath stuff, then, um, you know, the Dio era stuff, of course, then Jorn Landy, definitely up your alley. You should check him out. He's a Norwegian badass. He's an amazing vocalist. He's an amazing songwriter. Um, so definitely, if you're a fan of that, be on the lookout for that covers record. And when does it come out, do you know? Today. Today. Okay, which is June 3rd, so that. That and the new Unleashed came out as well, which is actually a reissue of their 91 record. So thank you very much. And we are here with uh, Mike Smith from fucking Founder of Suffocation. Mike, how you doing? Man, I can't complain. I'm doing excellent. As long as I stay out of the streets and I'm home where all my tools are, my weapons, my dogs, and <laughs> everything I love, I'm doing just fine. Thanks. Awesome. Fuck yeah. It's, I've had reached out to you on, on social media a long time ago just, just as a fan, and I just want to say how... Uh, much it means to me having you as a friend and now to actually get to sit down with you uh, on something that I uh, love the podcast and actually get somebody that to me is a, uh, a founder uh, inspiration and just uh, overall just monster in death metal and, and that's you and I'm so mm-hmm. happy to just have you here. Well, you guys are too kind man. I, see that, I appreciate that more than anything how, how you do think of me. It's important to me that um, you know, being in, in death metal for one, it's not, it, especially when we start, it's not a common thing for there to be black, African American, whatever in it, and then to be in it and considered the top of it, the mo- one of one of the inspirations to it, that's something that you don't, you know, you don't take lightly. And yeah, you guys were innovators, man. Well, I, I appreciate that. Even so, with the, uh, you know. Uh, I was watching a thing, I don't know if it was on one of Cannibal's DVDs or what it was, but they said that uh, the guy from Napalm Death pretty much invented the blast beat, and then you perfected the blast beat. However, (laughs) whichever way they want to put it in the time frame, I'm fine with that, as long as I'm in it. Right? What were you you influenced by uh, metal-wise, or rock, or anything, uh, when you started listening to music that got you to where that type of, I mean, that level of drumming, was there somebody that you, uh, uh well, my, the first thing that influenced me is, is my family. I'm from my whole family is, has always been just into music and not necessarily where they're playing the instruments, which I, I do have professional musicians in the family as well, but it was, I grew up appreciating all forms of music. My father collected everything from country to jazz to, Pump to whatever was out there, and that was always in my house as an upbringing. So sure. I always knew it. All right. So what that did for me was 
show me that one, the music that I loved at least always came from a band setting. It wasn't like disco or the nonsense where it's all keyboard driven and you, you know, it was never that. It was always, there was a band of people that you were with to make emotional music. And, sure. that, and that's what, that was the first thing that always had me was being able to speak through emotion, through music by touching the instrument. Okay. So when I started in metal, that what that was when I moved from the from the Bronx with my family. I was five at the time. Moved from the Bronx to Long Island. Long Island was a whole different aspect. You know, it oh, yeah. wasn't it wasn't rap. It wasn't uh, Motown. It wasn't any of that. It right. was all more rock and not even metal at that time because it wasn't it wasn't. That. It's a it big was, punk scene over there. Like all my, you know, friends growing up, they were all punk kids, and I was a. You know, a metal kid, of course, but they were all just these crust punk guys. I don't know. <laughs> crust. Yeah. Hey, it was all here. Yeah, okay? that's and right. It was just such an early thing. I started listening to the Zeppelin and, of course, the, the Black Sabbaths and Dio. And when U68 was on, you couldn't tear me from the TV on that. <laughs> you know, and it, that was just what I needed. It was an emotion thing. I needed to be able to feel emotion, play it, and the only way that that was going to happen was through the metal for me. Now, rap is there too. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I grew up in the beginning of that as well, in the, growing up in the Bronx. Right. That's where it started. Sure. So, I, was, I do that too. I do that still to this day too. But well, you got that Necro stuff, right? Well, I, well, I, did, I did a song or two with Necro. Right. I have my own which I go under the alias of Grim Real, you, you know, and that, yeah, yeah, that I've heard is, of that, sure. That is just um, an unorthodox, no, no structure type of. However, I feel like giving it to you, you're gonna right. get regardless of what I say. It's all gonna be true what I say, but how the music comes across, sure. Is however, I feel like bringing it at that time. That's um, awesome. But that's where I started with the music, like we all did. You know, we started with the great arena bands with the Queens Reich and the Exodus and motorhead and all of that and right. that's what i wanted wanted to do and then from early and then middle school we just all gravitated those who played or wanted to play gravitated to each other and we just you know eventually you watered down the week who weren't really able to do it and before you knew it a tight circle and, and another tighter circle still and that became sure. you know suffocation but before that we were doing you know, the bands, it was always at my family's house. That was one thing that most may not know that, you know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a I guess a minority in, in the metal scene, but on Long Island here, any of the bands, and there were many of them, all most likely came through my basement, my family's basement. So That's right. awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where we were. And, and my parents at the time, you, you can say they were the first parents especially the first black parents to hear a note of suffocation or anything. That's else. amazing. It's okay. fucking awesome. They were eating dinner above us when we were right beneath them killing it. So, <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> that, that was the deal. That was Long Island, when I moved here, it was all about the music. It was all about the country, the space, the air, and just become what it is you're going to become. And it, it worked out really, really well for me. And still oh, yeah. So how did... Uh... Were, were you in, 
a different band and then suffocation became about or was it was it always suff- what beginning or became suffocation or it wasn't always suffer we all played in in a few local bands together well what it whether it's one musician in this band or one musician in that band we all were in a circle we went to school between the two schools we, we all met um we played in like for instance when in let's say pyrexia mm-hmm I played with Chris Basile. I played with uh, Guy. Right. You know, and Chris Basile was in another band with me and Terrence. And that was something I. I so that's know. who replaced Guy was one of the guy from Pyrexia, one of them. Say it again. Uh, the guy that replaced Guy that's playing with Suffocation now was from Pyrexia. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. So you see how that yeah. all intertwined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so we were all coming up. As young kids in the basement, just killing it, and even even before suffocation, the music we were doing was not music that was out. No. Okay. Right. It was heavy, hard, mosh, crazy, just crazy, aggressive, and and, and it was different. And and we stayed to that. We always loved everything else out around us, music wise, but we sure. always approached the instruments and the music from our perspective, which oh, yeah. is something that I've always held on to, never understood when we switched to start following trends. I never understood that, never agreed with it, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's just not us. And It hurts the fans, too, because you're trying to pander to a certain audience rather than the audience that's always been there for you, and, you know, yep. a yep. lot of yep. bands do it for money, a lot, of, a lot of bands are burned out, maybe they want to try the more modern sound, maybe they're into more modern style of music, so they want to incorporate that, but I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, that, staying true is what this music is all about, and, you know. I, think, I, thought, you I know. thought so. Yeah. Um, but, you know, not to even get into the, the, the downward spiral of my suffocation, but that was once the initial core um, split up and started to bring in Others, you uh, you 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 lost what was what was the formula that made right you stand above the rest, and then you can't do nothing about that. That's you bring other people in. That's that's just first off, you're bringing in people who were fans first. So right. you learn from you this, that, and the other, and then it's just a mentality that wasn't there. We grew up with that mentality that was strong and could not be swayed and could not be, you know penetrated with nonsense and sure the further off you broke off you get what you get as you can see now in today's version of suffocation you got one member and a bunch of you know whoever else yeah <laughs> it's, I, I, yeah i agree with that i wanted to you know back to the <clears throat> so who was the original suffocation lineup when you're all like we're suffocation this is suffocation and we had music to actually back it up yes talking about just the name because when it was just the name that was made and there was no music to back it up yet. Okay. There was, um, I think it was Frank, Josh, and um, none of us, none of the others, me, Terrence, Doug, none of us were in it. Was okay. Frank and Josh came up with the name to, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, you like it? You like it? Yeah, okay, break. <laughs> That's not how that went. Um, the suffocation, suffocation that the world knows was... Myself, Frank, and um, Doug. Okay, nice. I brought in. I then brought in. I knew Terrence. 
because we played in previous bands. I think it was either Mortuary or Psychotic Deformity. Awesome. Played, played in that. So I brought Terrence in to meet Doug, and they just immediately uh, hit it off. And get that chemistry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were just beasts together. So where are we at? We have me, Frank, Terrence, Doug. Josh was, Josh was always with Frank. They came as a pair. All right. And uh, that was when, that was in 88. Mm, wow. That, that, that formation came together from that point on. We were out just doing whatever. Right. Making it, getting in the metal scene, traveling, you know, get, going through fanzines. Yeah. That's when that started. That's I did the. I'm old enough. I did the tape trading stuff. I, I was at the very ass end of that, where I was still, uh, you know, it was CDs. But I would always, you know, I used to read the metal magazines before there was, you know, really internet was a big deal, and you know, I would oh, read yeah. Metal Maniacs no- and all this stuff. So to find out about bands, I'd have to go and mail order these CDs. You know, I mean the tape the tape trading thing that was a big deal. That's that how you was, made friends, you know, across the country. Huge, so huge. Did you now when so you guys have that okay the the, the classic suffocation lineup the the one you just mentioned you've got that going um, are there rumblings from other bands are you hearing about Cannibal Corpse or Deicide or any of these other bands or um they were, we definitely heard from Cannibal Corpse because they were in New York okay right um, and what it was there were two two places that were making noise okay Florida. And New York. Oh hell right. yeah, yeah. That's that's oh, yeah. <laughs> as far as me. If I mean, I was just did were I mean did were you guys here? I mean, any of the stuff down there was it specific where you were like, oh, death sounds cool, or Deicide oh, sounds, Morbid Angel sounds cool, of or course, of course, um, some of it we when we started we didn't know like every every one of us every one of the bands you just named were at the same stage at that point, right? We putting out demos we were just working on our first albums of what was to be so what how we met all of these was through playing shows right okay we played dozens of shows with cannibal corpse obituary then we got to know deicide and, and moved on through there and then of course then you have like the milwaukee metal fest where we all finally just converged into one I used to go to that all the time. Yeah, I was. I tell Corey's younger, so he goes to the Maryland thing. I don't like the Maryland thing. I miss the Milwaukee thing. Yeah, that's well, just me being old, I guess. But <laughs> I guess you know. But you have to put it in perspective if you're gonna question. Okay, if we're not going to Maryland, where else will we go to get as much? As oh, right, right. From a band standpoint, sure. I just, I'm just holding on to my, you know. But so you got, so you got the, so you did shows with Cannibal. Who else did you guys? Were you guys doing shows? This is, you know, way back early. Yeah, yeah, we were doing shows with uh, Immolation. We were doing it with the New York Boys. Oh yeah. Um, with uh, uh, Demolition Hammer. Oh okay, I remember them. It's just Uh, recently reunited. uh, At Maryland, speaking of. Yeah, yeah, we were doing it with uh, Ripping Corpse, which, oh, yeah. you know, Eric Rutan and Hate Eternal. Yeah. Right. Um, name it from that. Mortuary, of course. We were doing it with... Uh, Did y'all ever play with Mortician? Yeah, of course. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. That's <laughs> raunchy, actually. Yeah. Oof. I'm just, just trying to think Monstrosity. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, Monstrosity's great. Now, when you guys were all doing these shows, did you know that it was something that would end up being... You know, a, a whole 
whole new genre almost of metal itself, you know. Well, we knew it was a new genre. There was no question right. to it. Right. Um, but oh, as far as just, it would go, this you know. Was in that too. I have to put them in a circle because Atheist was in it and they were just huge and great. Oh, yeah. Um, I loved Atheist too, yeah. Um, we knew. See, the, the thing with death metal is we weren't. None of the bands were coming in asking permission or asking for acceptance. Sure. This is what we did. You were doing what you do. Yeah. Exactly. This is what we did. And regardless if we made it big, ever toured big, any of that, we were going to continue playing shows and doing what we did. You were shredding so, ass and taking names is what you're exactly, doing. Exactly. You hit people with a fucking hammer. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That was, and that's what I miss today is because that was such, it was like we were a gang. Right. I said gang. And we weren't there to compete with each other because if Suffocation played a song, you knew it. If Immolation played, you knew it. Yeah. If Cannibal played it, you knew it. Every band had a different type of sound, style, and approach, and that was where we were. There was no swaying on that. So we got into it at that time. We weren't going to say, oh, man, disco overruled us. We got to shut this down. We got to go ahead. <laughs> that right. was never even an option. Know, that was never an option for us and you saw how perseverance and heart having heart behind what you were doing right. got you where you needed to go sure. regardless you know if we got in there and got signed and this and all of that before the record labels even knew what they were signing they just knew that it was all different and if they didn't get their hands on it first they were fearing that somebody else was going to snatch up the market. Speaking of that, how, how did the chips fall on that? Was it like, I mean, do you remember, was it like you guys, Cannibal? You know, how how were these bands, Morbid Angel? Was it was there one particular you remember getting, you know, picked up first? and um, Or even from the New York scene, like, I I mean, I, I'm just curious, you know, like, because... In New York, I would have to say we were probably the first for the... For the death metal? Fuck yeah. Okay. But, right for but so. at the same time, Cannibal was right there. They they had their demo out at the same time, if not even a little before us. Right. They were doing so. It's it, it's really tough because, like I said, all the music was coming through the fanzine tape trade buzz. Right. And in all fairness, before anybody got signed, we were all buzzed. At the same time. Gotcha. Okay, so in all fairness, not to step in anybody's toes. Right. We were all on that same page, on that black and white paper of that fanzine. Right. Saying, oh, shit, did you see these bands? So every one of us got signed at the same time. Oh, yeah. But we were awake enough to know that we this is what we need to be doing at that time. Right. At the right. Same, place, same time. So when you guys got signed, do you remember that? Did they? Did someone from Roadrunner come in a club and see you all play? Or did you all get a, a phone call? Or... Um, before Roadrunner, there was... Road Racer. There was Road Racer, yeah. Um, I want to... I'm mixing up if we were with Relapse first. Uh, Relapse was our first. Really? I didn't know that. I thought it was Roadrunner. No, that's because Relapse put out the human waste. Oh, right, yeah. Okay, and then, uh... From that... Which that took me forever to find, but I actually found it in a CD store that uh, yeah. Dr. So, so the relapse, So Relapse... <laughs> so I thought that was like a new label for you guys. In reality, that was the first label. Yeah. 
we were the first band on Relapse. No shit, I didn't. I didn't know that. That's cool. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty big label now. You. Yeah, yeah. Both he, of them. Well, actually, both of them are. He was serious. Matt was serious. He's the owner of Relapse. Was definitely serious about what he wanted to do. You know, he was. He had it all chips in at that time, and I believe Human Waste was definitely the first release on that on that label. So just to see how history goes, and then from that point, we weren't with Relapse long because. The vibe was already out from the demo before the EP even came out. Right. So Roadrunner had us, you know, had us up top. They were thinking about us. And soon after doing a, the Human Waste EP, we got signed to Roadrunner. How that came about, um, I, I don't remember any calls. I think that was from, really, jo- Josh was pounding the door on them. That was where Josh really shined at that time. He was kicking the tires, huh? Yeah, yeah. He he he, he had no problem just cold calling somebody and being like, "Yo, what? Hey, yeah, it's us. Huh. Who's it? Hey, you know it's us. Come on." He had no problem. It's fucking suffocation. Answer the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> with with that said, you can never deny, you know, who was doing legwork at that time. Josh and and our, our manager, we had Jason Fligman. He was uh he put a lot of time and money in and, and just craziness into us when we had nothing to pay. Him, Very Long Island name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they so they knew there was something special there and and you guys are and then what so eventually Roadrunners just like okay cool. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Now was um, that just a one album deal or did you already have like a two three four album deal with them or how did that work or was that? Um, at the time it was uh, uh I believe a two album. Two albums, so yeah. Effigy and Breeding the Spawn. Spawn, yeah. Now, and, and did you all pick Scott Burns? How did that happen? Or did, or did Scott Burns find you? Or did Roadrunner do that? Or? No, we, we wanted Scott Burns. Scott Burns was already mashing the scene. He was the one oh, who yeah. the bands that sounded good, like the Sepultoras and Obituaries. He's the one who made them sound sick. So Fuck right. yeah. We, you know, I tell people to this day, I don't know what you think, just to barely get off subject here, but you know, to me, Eric Rutan's taken over the Scott Burns position now. Well... I don't know anybody in death metal right now that is more metal, like to the core, than than Rutan. He's one that oh, I, yeah. I look at. You can tell in the, in the albums that he puts out that his own albums, not even the one he produces, but just his writing intensity and oh, yeah. drive is so vicious that he you just know rips, that man. He lives and breathes. And he's made a lot of bands that he's uh, taken in his wing, you know, sound better, like gotten stuff out of them I don't think would have ever happened. Uh, like the yeah. the Belphegor albums he did and the uh, Goat Whore, I mean, if just their vocals alone, I think he worked with them on it, and you can really tell that it brought out something in those bands like the heaviness that I don't think they yeah. would have tapped into, you know. You but you take anything away from it, but yeah, there was a, you know, at the time when we started doing our shit, we didn't have... We weren't doing the Pro Tools. We weren't doing any of the trigger, oh, yeah. any of the re guitar and reamping, none of that shit. So yeah, there was a definite. It was just acoustic. Whatever yeah. the instrument sounded like was how you got it. And nowadays, not to take anything from Rutan or any of the producers out there. Nowadays, you can make amazing albums on your own. Just right. Your, yeah. You know, so, so times have changed, and with that. A lot has changed as well because now the bands, regardless of how good they are, mm. all have a same sound. Yeah, that's true. Does yeah. <laughs> when when now to go back to Scott when 
so you all got Scott. Did y'all did they contact him? Did y'all contact him? And did you all record in New York that record, or did you go down to Florida? We went to Morrisville. Oh, okay. So, so much good stuff came out of that studio, man. I, that's we, we had to be there. We couldn't. I understand he, that. That's he came to New York when he recorded uh, "Pierced." He did it here. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, at that time there was no question. We knew that if we wanted to sound like the bands we love that were new at that time, um, we needed to go. We needed to go there first. There was no sense experimenting with us. Oh, right. right. Which is what they did on the second album. Right. We yeah. on that. Everybody else kept their sound and kept it moving. We went immediately backwards. Right. Backwards. Did now with Scott? Did how long did it take to record Effigy? Were y'all down there? Was that real quick or was it? I think we we were done recording Effigy in maybe three days. Jesus. Wow. And that, that I mean that's a masterpiece. I mean that's the that's the that's the book of uh, brutal death metal <laughs> via suffocation. You know and. It, Three days. That's that's amazing. Well, there was a different time. It's different. It's different than now because if you hear my my Rottweiler in the back, don't mind him. He just likes to. It sounds brutal, man. <laughs> it sounds like you're <laughs> he's summoning something. That's great. <laughs> um, you got to at the time when we did <laughs> effigy. <laughs> hush up. <laughs> he can do a death metal record. Effigy, we were, you know, bands didn't worry. Like I said, the, the technology wasn't... The right, there was no, band. yeah. It wasn't about us, like, okay, let's play this one rhythm and play it sick. Oh, that's sick. Stop it. Send it to somebody else over there. Let right, them. right. It wasn't that. We got in the basement and we played those songs. So you just recorded it live, basically. Yeah, pretty much. That's, how you, that's the raw shit, you know. Yeah. That's the way to do it, I think. And some bands still like to do it that way, you know. Uh, it's rare, but if you, you know, if you're like, I want to record this raw and live, and then you know, you have to respect that, you know. Yeah. You know so now, nowadays you don't have to do that. It, it's, right. It's just you can polish it. You know. You might as well relax and do your albums now. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know, life is stressful enough. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So you guys go to Florida, you record that. How long did you all did y'all go out on a big tour for Effigy or? No, we didn't even. Really tour for Effigy. Okay. Nope. We so, were, uh, we went out and did, oh shit, I think we, when Breeding the Spawn came out was when we first got our, our real, uh, yeah, you want to come out and tour like Europe and this, that, and the other? Right. Yeah, why not? So when we got out there for that is when we tied Effigy into that. Okay, that's awesome. And who did y'all tour on that package? Did you do several bands or was it just? Tour with, I think that was. Sinister. Oh, awesome. I loved them. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Ooh, I want to say something like an emulation, but I can't. I don't feel it on my tongue. To, right. To really, it's hard. Um, so it was a pretty nice package, regardless. It was. For it, your it first one. It was, and the bands were all amazing, and ones that we would say, oh, shit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I just can't put it on my tongue right now, which who they were. Almost feel like an, an emulation. Almost feel like an eighth. Almost feel like a friggin' deicide from from what I'm. Right, right. It's it's. it's you all ended up being label mates eventually on there. Yeah. Which is awesome. Did so so you you've got that done. You you're you're tour basically two records, and the the writing for Pierce now are 
did you do anything with that or is it are you at this point are you at this point are you just going i'm done or uh, yeah i was already out six years i believe when when pierce has it been let me see now pierce pierce is pierce is what 95 isn't it 96 yeah i'm, I'm thinking them it's hard to put the oh no you're good you're good i'm, <laughs> I'm conf- throwing a lot of shit at you so because yeah, when i left i didn't look back i wasn't worried about so what happened with that? So you're tour, you're you're touring, breeding the spawn, and at some point you're like, okay, I'm done. No, it was no. They they decided I was done at that. Oh point. really? Oh, I because I don't know the story on this, so I don't. Let me see now if I can if I can put it together. At the, at the same time, we we were always playing. It wasn't like I, I I decided, you know what, I don't want to play this shit no more. And yeah, you should probably. Should. It wasn't like that at all. We we got off tour, came home broke, went in weeks maybe a month or two without actually getting in the basement and practicing and playing. During that time, I was playing with another band, different type of I was always playing, regardless. Right, right. I was just playing with a different band, keeping it moving, keeping it moving, not really getting together with the band. Turns out that during that time and delay, Terrence and, and Doug were getting together doing whatever they, they were doing. Right. And through not talking or saying, hey, you want to jam or you want to this, things just spread apart. And at that time, it was it was a real, let's say, an, an unsaid like cattiness. Sure, right. Just like, yeah, we came home broke, whatever. I don't need to jam. We got to work. Got to make money. Got to do this. Got right. That. So by the time it came around to where, I don't know who, no one will admit to who's. Uh, bright idea was at that time. You know what? We got whoever over here that we can play drums. Let's just throw him. Uh, who knows who brought that up? That's Doug Bond guy or something, wasn't it? Yeah, Doug Bond was uh, okay. around us as well. He grew up with Terrence and was always yeah. around. He was a hardcore drummer. He wasn't death metal by sure. no stretch of imagination. And <laughs> it comes you know, out on the record, honestly, because it's more of a beat down, yeah. slow, hardcore record. Which, you know, I liked Pierce, but... Um, Pierce is an, an amazing album, and yeah. there's nothing you can take from that. It's just an amazing album. Now, in hindsight, I did the touring for Pierce, though. You understand? So, really? Awesome. Well, it's done over a, a couple hundred shows. That's amazing. So so Doug recorded it, and then you're back out with him. Right. Well, he may have... How many shows did he have under his belt for Pierce? I couldn't say. I know they didn't do a full... If they did a full tour, that was that. That's 30 shows. Right. Now, when I got back, with, and after that point, there was no touring for it at all, period, plain and simple. So when I got back into the band, that's when the fans heard Pierce the way I would play it. Right. <laughs> the real way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you're going to go look through videos of that time frame, I, I don't think you're going to find many on Doug Bowen playing Pierce. No, right. definitely not. That's just the way it went. You can't take nothing from him for recording it, but as for taking it to the road, playing it, performing it, and letting motherfuckers know that suffocation is going to kill you, <laughs> I, I think I was behind it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. So so we're there at that. Now, the the touring for that, were you all were – y'all, y'all were headlining that, were you not? At that point, Pierce, just, y'all were headlining. Um. Well, when we, well, now, what you're talking about, you're talking about – from within tour or you're talking about us talking I'm talking about you coming back and and you playing that stuff when we came back it was all it was 
yes. Because it was they, they didn't expect us to ever be back. So the vibe at that time, the buzz was just huge. Right. We can do no wrong. Um, and then so, that goes that goes to the relapse. You're, you're back with uh, Corey's record there. The um, was that when we came back when when suffocation came back with me. That was the souls. Souls to deny. Yeah. Two thousand two. With right. relapse. Yeah. Yeah, it is relapse, isn't it? Or is it nuclear blast? The copy I've got's relapse, and maybe it w- if it was nuclear, I don't have that copy of it. I wish I did, but if that. I'm looking around because I'm looking at my albums on the wall, and I would hope that I could see it without having to pull them down. <laughs> I, I mean, the copy I've got's relapse, but I don't know if it was on nuclear blast. <laughs> I know nuclear blast was up and coming at that time. It gets, but... it gets so nuclear was around a long time. Oh hell was... yeah. They were around in Europe a long, long time. So I want to say, oh, my God, I, I want to say nuclear blast. Right. Well, see, uh, that the copy I've got, I don't know if it's a reissue. It's on relapse, what I've they got. Did a, they did reissues. So okay. Then maybe it, maybe it is then. I don't, well, see, that's where I get confused with the, even asking you. Because I know the self-titled suffocations relapse for sure. And then obviously, uh, Blood Oath is is Nuclear Blast. Yeah. Hey, you you know probably better than me right now. You Which know, they, it, it all just blends into a, you know, it, it blends in together to me, especially because when we were on what is it now, Relapse? No, no. When we were on Nuclear Blast, they went ahead and redid uh, Human Waste. Right. And, and Human Waste is on Relapse, so. It, it's, it's, it's confusing, yeah. It's of course, of course it is. But so, at, at the end of the day, it was still didn't matter which label we were on. We were going to do our thing, and, and everybody else was going to follow, meaning our record labels and right. Whatever, so, so the 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 soul the, the the souls record. So that's how did that come about? Souls to deny. Yes. You mean the reunion? Correct. Did you get a call? Did you yeah. call? Frank had called me. He was living in Vegas at the time. Okay. And I believe he was considering moving back to New York and work out there for him in Vegas. Right. Moved back to New York, and, he, and with that stipulation, he wanted to know if, hey, if I came back, would you consider putting suffocation back together? At the time, it was it was kind of a funny request because I, I wasn't hanging with the band at all. I was out of it the longest out of all. Right. So, uh, but I told him, yeah, yeah, let's do that. We, we can do that. But I was under the impression of, of, uh, originally that we would have done it, or at the very least, with myself, Terrence, Doug, and Chris Richards. Yeah, how did Guy come to play in that? I don't... Was that when Doug's hand was... Was that the... Guy was messing around with me on some side shit. I was doing Grim Reel. Okay. Mixing the live version of Grim Reel Guy joined in on that to try and oh, wow. surround with that. So I was always in contact with him coming through. Um, what happened was Doug and Chris, they were always together, partners together, but they made decisions together. Doug and Chris declined. Really? Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if at that time, if Doug's wrist was messed up at that time. Right. I'm not sure. I can't really speak on it, but the two of them declined. So I'll, I'll assume that that was... That was the case. And at that time, it was like, okay, so who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? 
guy was right there. He grew up with us. He played in Pyrexia. He played in Internal Bleeding. It was just natural to try and keep the New York sound and scene together. Sure. Right. Um, and then we had to figure out a basis. Now, with that, Josh was always there. And But that wasn't my first choice. At that, 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 that point, I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We got to tear this. I want... What, who I originally wanted to approach was Steve DiGiorgio. Hell yeah. Holy shit. Well, no, uh, Terrence is what who recorded the bass on the record, right? I, me and Terrence. Oh, wow. You did too. Awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wrote half the album with Terrence. I recorded half of it. And Amazing. So what happened with Steve? Did, were, they, were you just voted down on getting Steve? Or did... I don't think it got to that point. Okay. I knew for sure from a long time that I always wanted to play with DiGiorgio. Oh, hell yeah. Forever. That would have been sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I, I finally later on got to play with him in in that side deal with our uh, cynicism absorption. Okay, awesome. Okay, so um, so that didn't go to him. We wound up somehow or another getting referred to Derek. Okay, Derek Boyan. He was living hmm. in California at the time, but he was a big fan. He he knew guy 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 brought told Derek, yo, you should try this out. And Derek just picked up, came straight from California, picked up his gear and said, you know what, whatever. I, I, if I'm going to do it, um, this is going to be my first showing of dedication. I'm going to leave my home and move to New York and let's get this profit. So he came yeah, and, and tried out. Right. And, and it worked. You know, we had, a, a, if I remember correctly, we already had offers to do touring in like a month, month and a half, two months. So we didn't have time to try somebody out. Right. Say, nah, get out of here. To go get somebody else. It, it was, okay, you think he can play it? He's saying he can play it. Bring him in. Let's try it. Okay, we have a tour in a month. Let's get these songs down. So that, awesome. that's how he, he got into it. And I think from that point on, the, the lineup is formed at that point. Yeah, right? it right? is. That's your that's a consistent yeah. lineup there. Yep. And Terrence always lived close by. He's, he still lives close by. He's never going nowhere. So it was always, it was just an easy, all right, you ready? Okay, come to my basement. Let's get on with it. <laughs> okay, that's, and so you get that, and you all tour and support that. Were, were those headlining shows as well? Um, from what I can remember, yes, they were. Gotcha. And then we'll fast forward on to the the. So from that, you go to that to the self titled Suffocation album. Which that one, when I, I would be honest with you, when I first listened to that, I, I didn't know what to think. And now it's one I go back to on a regular basis. It's just, it just seems so pissed off. Mm-hmm. And just Frank holding that fucking gun and just the, <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, it sort of just sets the fucking tone. It's just like. A lot of people, a lot of critics, you know, I remember, because that's when I really started getting into music reviews. Like, not even to accept it, just to, like, see what other people thought about shit. And, uh. You know, most of the metal magazine stuff never t- took that record to like, and I said, oh, they're just trying to be suffocation. It's like, well, what do you expect them to do? You expect them to release a fucking Dream Theater record next? I mean, I don't know. It's like, you're going to get suffocation every time, so if you're expecting them to slow down, I mean, maybe they wanted another Pierced album or something. It's like, well, not if, if Mike's behind the kid, it's not happening. That, that, that's it. I wanted to tell you, I think that, that album is very honest. And I love that. I, I, I felt great. very... I don't know. It's it's one of those that really grew on me, and I think that's some of the best records when you have to go back to it, and then eventually you're just like, wow, this is I have to keep listening like to. Bind, it. torture, kill. That's a fucking that's death metal right there. You know, it's just that's, nasty. See, that's one of the songs that I 
wrote fully. Loved it. That's my favorite song on that record. Thank you. I fucking love that. It's just nasty. I'll, but, I mean, I, I really feel like that record just really showcased. You guys are firing on all cylinders on that. It's not that I don't like Souls, but I feel like I go I go more for the self-titled one when I'm well, grabbing. Souls, but, we were still trying to get to know each other on Souls. Right. You understand? We didn't hang out in the streets. So right. We were still trying to become friends and look at each other and say, is he It kind of reflects on the music, you know, in a positive way. You can tell there's a lot of different influence coming together on that record. Souls has a lot of growing stuff on it, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like it. Yeah. Uh, but so, so how does the Suffocation Suffocation come about? You guys... We, um, well, uh, between Souls and Suffocation, there was a lot going on that, that was positive for Suffocation in, in terms of with the um, TV commercials. and we, we were Yeah. Just, yeah, you just, guys were on TV. You had fucking... Yeah. I mean, I know you did one for surgery... For Souls, you know, you had a music video for that. It, it yeah, kind of yeah. looked like a Sepultura video. It was fucking cool. And yeah, then you yeah. do the Abomination Reborn, and you guys are on, you know. And like, we did the History Channel commercial for the Dark Ages. Yeah, yeah man. That, that was, was fucking cool. awesome. <laughs> I yeah, forgot about that. There was a lot of things that were finally making sense where sure. all our endorsements were kicking in. Everything was just, we were getting the best festivals and just being seen on a big platform. You doing a lot of European stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. Were you? Were you? Do you look back at that? Was that? Was that a really good time? Would say is that your favorite time with suffocation? Maybe other than effigy, if that was. Effigy was my favorite time suffocation, but that, but the suffocation era, the, the comeback in itself was good because we had all opportunity to come in because all our touring always wound up right. We didn't come back and sound like old men. Our shows were... Oh, hell no. It was nasty. You understand? I saw you three times on that tour. It was... So we came back and showed that we, it wasn't a fad. What we do is what we do, and here we are again. Like it. So we came... <laughs> at that point, if we were businessmen, if we were thinking properly, we would have used that opportunity, which we did not. I certainly tried to. I was the one running the band. I did all the, the work behind the scenes, got the dealt with the touring agents and the I had no idea I didn't know that that's that's amazing absolutely, absolutely myself and my wife handling the merchandise and all that shit we dealt with all of the business of suffocation sure. well, that's it so the opportunities were there for us to to bring the bar up again show all the bands up beneath us this is where we're supposed to be let's go right and and take it we got to a point where we came out, did a few tours, you knew our set, then we stopped writing. We weren't like trying to reinvent. We just kept on coming out with, okay, and this song is dust, 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 this right. is how the tour's gonna start and this is how we're gonna end it. And anybody who followed us from the beginning knew, had to have known, look, we know these songs, and let's let's now let's hear you play. Let's say the whole effigy album back to back, right? Or the whole pierced album, or the whole brief. Do something unique for the people, right? This would have kept us touring strong forever. Oh you know? yeah, definitely. I couldn't convince the others to do it like this. You understand? So this is where we started to. But we're right here. How come we don't just do no, no, no? And then we started to decline the the 
attitudes came back in again where, where you started to get real raw with each other. Right. Because I certainly, from running the business aspect, it was easy to see right. what we could have done. Right, to the make. opportunities sure. right there. Oh my God, they was so plentiful, so plentiful. You could have done, you could have done no wrong. But and, and you're like, let's reap this, and they're, yeah. Yup, plus the fans would know that we're here for real. We can't go out on a Souls tour playing this set. Our fans write the set down. They're like, holy shit, they killed us. Come out on the next tour, flip one song, play that whole set again. Eventually, I'm embarrassed to like, what? Come on, man. We just wasted six months in between this tour. We didn't write any songs. Right. We didn't learn any of the old songs. Or better yet, we didn't teach any of the old songs to the new players in the band. Sure, right. You understand? That was the one thing with Suffocation is you weren't able to join Suffocation, especially as a guitarist, and not be taught the music. Yeah, sure. Right. You didn't just come in and be like, oh, here it is, let's go. No, you would be wrong. You missed missed 75 notes out of that one rhythm. Let me show you how that's done. So – with that said, yeah, so it got to the point where it's either if we want to do this properly, we need to go out and be able to play full album tours. Let's just say this is the Effigy tour, the Breeding tour, the Pierce tour. I would have fucking loved that. that would, we would have, as fans, we would have shit. Can you imagine that? That would have been God. the most traumatic shit ever. We could have made DVDs from every one of those Plus, tours. at yeah. the time, nobody was doing that because now you wait fucking, you know... Ten years later, now Slayer does it and Megadeth does it, and you know. Uh, but you know, it's fu- it's funny what you're saying. Death though. metal bands still haven't done. Right. Well, that's what I was about to say. You would think somebody like Cannibal or somebody like that would do that. You know, the only one that's done it that I'm aware of, Morbid Angel. Yeah, that's right. And then that w- and then that shit the bed. You know, if you know that whole thing went <laughs> in the toilet and David's gone. The Covenant and, thing. Yeah, yeah, they did the whole Covenant record. Yeah, but I'm a, you you see a Cannibal band, but see. Yeah, the opportunities. You're right. They're right. They were right there. All of that. It's. It's. I think it's great that you saw that. It's a shame that they weren't willing to listen to common sense on it. Hey, that's why you heard. You're only as strong as your weakest link. That's true. That is a fact. Oh, it's true. If they're whole, you know, they're not listening to you and can't do anything about. So nobody. So you're you're saying, hey, let's do these things. You all these great ideas, and basically they're like, nah, we're good. We'll just play these clubs. Right. Right. And that's it. That is it, because it relied on, you needed to have Terrence teach the guitarist these songs. That right. That never get. Right. Firm didn't want to do that. Right. He always told me, told us, well, I don't want to teach old shit. I want to write new. Okay, that's fine. But guess what didn't happen? We didn't write new. Right. No. Okay? So we're not learning old. We're not writing new. The six months in between each, not even three months in between each tour that we were home, we weren't practicing for two months of it, okay? You're wow. just wasting time, energy, wasting, wasting, wasting. You couldn't buy an opportunity better right. than what we had, and we didn't use it. And that's not a universal where all of us decided, nah, I don't want to practice today. Or, nah, that song's too hard. I don't want to learn it. That is not the case. Right. Started from one section, not wanting to teach those who needed teaching. I didn't need teaching. I knew every song and still do. Sure. I'm drums for suffocation. Period. <laughs> right. right. Plain and simple. Now but carrying. You guitars on it, you couldn't go any further. No, no. You couldn't make tour 
was good. You notice the DVD that we were promising, Legacy of Violence, that we were yeah, promising. Yes. Yeah. You notice it ain't here, right? Yeah. Right. Why is that? Because we didn't have the material. We just started it. We had a lot of it done, and the videographer got his house robbed, stole it, took Jeez. everything. That's I didn't terrible. know that. I never knew that. Oh, my God. It set us back so fucking far. The video footage, all the shit that we had to scrounge because we weren't in proper mind. Yo, we're about to play walking. You better get the cameras out there for walking now and start playing these songs that we haven't played so we can put this on a goddamn DVD for the people. Yeah, it would have been great if you guys busted out shit you've never played or you haven't in years, right. you know, and then... Uh... Guess how that turned out. <laughs> what's so, done, what's so done the, is done, you know. And now, that that video getting stolen, was that somebody's just negligent? So his computer got stolen with all the footage on it, or was it... Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, yep. That's what he leaves. That's what he told us. Wonder if that stuff's still around somewhere. Has to be. Yeah, but somebody has it somewhere. We had to piecemeal that shit so bad because we, you could uh, now a good thinking businessman would have been like all this footage we keep, we got this, we got that, keep everything. Should have been backed up somewhere. Of course. Right. Unless they just stole everything. It's like they took my backup drive. They took. You know, maybe now the, that happened. The too, footage from this was it kind of like one of the Pantera things where you guys are partying and hanging out, and there's show footage, or was it just shows, or was it just a whole bunch of stuff? Shows. We had us partying. We had us in the studio recording. Damn. And this was the had this guy been following you around, documenting it, and he's the one that fucking got got it stolen. Well, he documented a lot after we got back together. He was always around yeah. to do that. But we had fans. We had stuff okay. All give us what they had. Everybody just give us what you got. We had some shit, not nearly enough, right, right. to recall history. But and it's <coughs> a work, and especially there's a lot of work when you don't have all cylinders running. Yeah, they're know? not all. You're not all on the same page. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so that stuff happens, and this leads us into so from that, you all start rotting blood oath. Okay, now at this point for you, are you just like, are you just going through the motions? Not not the band, but just as far as with them, where they're missed all these opportunities. That would have to be frustrating as hell. Are you still managing and everything, doing the merch and everything? And it's more frustrating than anything I've ever dealt with in my life. Well, it had to it had to have killed you. It's like watching your child die. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I really. To, I had, I, I, listen, I had to. I felt like I was going to have heart attacks. Oh no! From the stress and disbelief of because i already had my house and my family and my cars and my bikes and every i already had all this shit just from naturally working right i left that being my job that afforded me all this shit to say all right to my wife we're both gonna quit our jobs we're gonna go out and take suffocation and do this right and we did it for 10 years however many many years it was right successfully so it can be done it could have completely been done and going over the top and it's it so to fight it where you have to, sometimes you have to physically choke somebody or just fight it mentally it gave me such pain and stress you had to get on sure so off to, to even be in society right i was having someone who needed any type of drug i don't do drug if i smoke a joint a, a month you're lucky right. i don't do drugs <laughs> now i have to take zoloft for the rest of my fucking life because my stress level and Angst got so crazy. Right, I'm sure, man. That I was going to kill somebody or kill myself, and that's when we had to 
start really putting things in perspective as can this can this go on? So with this with with Blood Oath, you were going into it with the mindset like I just got all this shit I need to get out, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know I'm gonna put it on the kit and all this music and just get it out. And did it yeah. did it work out when you first got the record out? Were you uh, you know happy mm-hmm. with it? Um, no, because if you if you're following how I said the band vibe worked, right? You have to imagine that Blood Oath is, in my opinion, forty eight percent of what it should be. Right. It seems more like a back to a pierced kind of style. It's it's a lot more technical, but it's slower. You know, it's uh doesn't seem like yeah, and it's, as I much of the intensity you guys were, you know, right. what you guys well, wanted. From how we were thinking, you know, it's the speed for suffocation was never an issue. We could always go there with Right, that. right. But it was the mentality wasn't there. If right. like for Blood Oath, I wrote Blood Oath. I wrote the song, the lyrics and everything and taught it to everybody. You understand? It was right. it wasn't like we sat in the basement <coughs> sick, let's do this like we did it in the past. Right. It was like, Okay, Michael, you write two songs and Terrence, you write this and Derek, maybe you're throwing some pieces and guy and Nobody was taking it as it needed to be taken for a band who is signed, who made it, thinking of the millions of musicians who are just trying to get to this point. Right. We're right. here and we're bullshitting with it. It was too much to, to. So the album itself, of, oh, I'm going to rate it 50 tops percent of what it should be. And I can do that with all the albums. Right. All of them. None of them should have came out any less than Effigy. None of them. Right. But, with that said, in all fairness, we didn't have the effigy formula. Right. Musicians and mindset working with that. You had to always take into account, okay, this is what suffocation would do, saying me, Terrence, and Frank. This is what suffocation would have done, and you could afford it. This is what we would have done back then. But then you also had to say, wait, wait, now. Guy's in it now, too. Guy has a right to put his style in. And Derek has a right to put his style in, and before you know it, the formula is not what it becomes more of a, a democracy thing versus uh, a business standpoint. And you know, there there's a huge uh, well, the create the creative uh, the creativity is is like what you're saying is running at fifty percent instead of a hundred percent. Exactly. Yep. You know, so you've just got you and Terrence and Frank, and then I mean, nothing against. Guy or Derek, but it's just not, not. But it's they're amazing, but it's still not that that formula that you were exactly. originally running with. Exactly, they needed. In essence, they should have, and they did. They, they, don't get me wrong in saying that they didn't put their work in. They only did what they could do. Right. Like for instance, they couldn't tell Terrence to come out the house and force him to teach them these songs. Right. They, <clears throat> Terrence said no. That was that, and there was that was that. Right. So they only did what they could do. They came in knowing that this was going to be a tough job and you were going to work harder than you ever did. And then when they found out that, oh, wow, we're thinking like this, but really the, the vibe is like this. Right. It allowed them to relax. And when they relaxed, they couldn't. It's just, you could, what can you do? This is suffocation. We're, do, we're a level that we're supposed to be here. If everybody is relaxed here and then you're bringing in outsiders who never were here. Right. It's such a destructive, ridiculous whirlwind of, of pain, especially if everybody ain't on the same page. So sure. that's what that was. It's never easy behind the scenes. Those would think that, oh, that's so sick. You guys are doing that. But the grass is not green. And trust me, it's a lot of work to make five people follow 
follow suit. Oh, sure. Sure. Especially to a model that's been, you know... Um, I mean, it's a brand. It's like you know, suffocation's a brand. It's a you all set the standard with it. I mean, it's like I said, I'm not I'm not bullshitting when I say when I say brutal death metal. Then there's 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 two bands, and one of them is suffocation. And <clears throat> so the touring for Blood Oath was was that I'm assuming that was uh, not fun. Um, well, touring is the shows are fun no matter what. Right. No matter if you beat each other's ass prior to. <laughs> the shows are what we're there for. We always want sure. the audience and everybody. So the tour was good, but we didn't even come out playing the whole Blood Oath album, and we just recorded it. So right, we're going back to the same mo of not taking our shit seriously. And why didn't we do the whole Blood Oath album? Is because we didn't have to play the whole Blood Oath album straight through. Right. We were able to stop, take two days, relax. Come in, play this rhythm, that rhythm, whatever. However, it went down. Right. It wasn't where. And now you got to remember that a, a few of the songs I wrote, and then I had I, the guitarist didn't play them. I had to play them. So right. It's, you see what well, you see where the where the problem comes in. Right. You can't do right if everybody ain't on the same page. So, Blood Oath was good. We picked out a few songs, but from someone who knows Suffocation coming all the way up, if you listen to the set list. You have a few from Blood Oath, and then you go right back to the same set list right. that we were doing. Now, for somebody who knows that, and any fans who know that, you start to to, to look at look at that a little strange. Like, what, yeah, it's like you start out with uh, Thrones of Blood, right, and then you then go. you go into Infecting the Crypts, and then you there play, you, uh, you know, it's, um, and then of course you end, with, you know, uh, you play Funeral Inception, and you do the yeah, whole. Yeah, yeah. I know you guys got to play essentials, otherwise, like, hey, you didn't play fucking funeral exception. It's like, well, you got uh, surgery of impalement instead. It's like, whatever, you, you know, you don't have to do all that, you know. Uh, you guys can play whatever the fuck you want. And Right, but we could. What, yeah. We, we couldn't play whatever because everybody didn't know all the songs. Right. And I think that also, you know, of course, it would help reflect on uh, them not knowing the full vibe of suffocation and being able to write like suffocation. So when the right. new guys came in, if you don't know how to play the whole breeding the spawn album or you know all that, then you're not going to know how to write a whole suffocation record. You know, there it is. Your mentality isn't there for that, right. and that's not taking anything away from you. No, but sure. You did, you did join into a project. Yeah. Okay? We didn't come to you. You came to us. This is how what we did and why we're here. So if you can't follow that, but even the, the members who were originally here. Worrying on that mentality where they wanted to, right? Sure. That that that, uh, that type of stature and, and rules. Okay. Sure. So you you tour Blood Oath, and because I don't know this, I'm actually asking you this. Was this was there a point, and you're like, okay, I'm done, or did they say, Mike, you're gone, or was it? No, I wasn't done at that time. At that time, I was just I was having my own time, just making sure Frank stayed. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, me and Frank stayed together in the band. We're, right. That's how we did. We weren't concerned about going out and getting falling down the street, fucked up, and this that. We weren't concerned about that. We had jobs at home. We wanted to, you know, come on now. We had family. Sure. Let's keep it together. Let's keep it moving. So I was working on keeping him in the band. Right. Which kept me in the band. I knew if he left, there was no way I was going to be able to stay. Right. Okay. So. Um, at that time, we weren't ready to, to just throw in a towel. We were uncertain if we were going to go any further with a new album and shit. You know, 
because Frank really wanted to leave at that point. Um, and up until the beginning of the the recording for Pinnacle of Bedlam, I was still I was still in that. I was I had, had all the rough tracks without the drums. And did you write anything on that? No. Okay. No, because the album wasn't written. Okay, I got you. I got you. Dilly dally. Got you. <laughs> album wasn't written and then when i finally got out of it they had he had a choice because we were signed at the time you have a choice tell the label that we have nothing and to drop us or now work your ass off to try and pretend that we're now stronger and this had to happen mike had to leave now we're stronger and we're going to give you the best shit you know it was so they wrote an album real quick yeah that record that record's a turd (laughs) Uh, hey i don't i would not Battle you on that? Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, when I heard you weren't in it, and I like Dave Cool Ross okay or whatever, he's okay, but it's not you. And just, it just, I mean, I'm just being honest, that the production on it's shitty and it just sounds thrown together. It just sounds like a fucking mess. Well, it is. And, you know, it, there's certain things I like on it, but I haven't listened to it in months and I probably won't listen to it. Yeah, Fra- Frank is the best part of it, but it's. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, gotta love Frank. Thrown together because the music was not written. When oh I, no! It's right. well. I didn't figure you. I, I mean, I wanted to ask, but I just it just make sure. But it just sounds it just sounds like a mess. And then, it, you know, they they keep promoting that record still, and it's like that thing's been out for like three or four years. It's like I don't know. It's just a mess. And that making of DVD is a mess. The the only thing that's cool on that is seeing you guys get the uh, the award. Right. It's also, I, have, you know. I haven't seen that DVD, so I don't know what it could. Yeah, there's a there's footage of you guys getting honored, which I thought was about goddamn time. But <laughs> you know, but but other than that, it's just them recording it and being silly. And I don't know, it's you know the Terrence, well, it's, it's, it's the Terrence DVD. It's but it's the, the, the behind the scenes now. So now that you know, you can look at things now and be like, ah, that makes sense. That's why. Oh, I it does. Know. Yeah, that, that's why that you know this was so important that I thought to. Not just for me as a fan or Corey as a fan, but for the to let yeah to let people know you know I I know <laughs> your role in this band and and now I know more than I ever knew and that's why this was so important I thought you know to let people know because I think if if you know because in in my opinion you know you guys brutal death metal is what I listen to you guys are the founders of it and to let people hear. You know, th- this is these are things that, are, that I think are so crucial. That's why I thought this was so important, and I hope it's good for you. I don't want to upset you, but I, I I think it's so important to get your voice out there because I don't think enough people have heard it, and I'm going to do my best to get it out there. Right. And yep. uh, but you know, to to let people know, but I it, Pinnacle is just a mess. It just sounds like a mess, and they you know, and I I just don't like it. I don't know. I just the the mix on the production on it's terrible. It's that Zeus guy, which I don't like. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Where I don't give a shit. I don't like it. Production. <laughs> it's just a fucking mess. And it just sounds like they wrote it while they were recording it. It just I don't know. You you're uh, seeing it right. I mean, and it's when when we went and saw Suffocation last year. I I told Corey when we left. I was like, you know, this would have been perfect if Mike had been on the kit. Because to me, but no, you know, it was just, and then that's nothing against Kevin Talley, but it's just like, you know, they don't have your chops. Dave Koros didn't have your chops. And, you know, and I, it's just not the same damn animal. And I told him, I'm like, as cool as it was to probably get to see Frank for the last time, because, you know, Suffocation doesn't play in the South a whole lot. And I was like, 
not anymore, you know, but I was like, again, that's without you, but that, but you know, it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to watch it, you know, and now they're doing this stuff with Ricky and I have nothing against Ricky, but Ricky is not fucking Frank. Not suffocation to me, you know. You know. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with Ricky. I have nothing to No, no, he's great. Look, I'm a Disgorge fan, but, you know, but still, it's still just not, you know, I'm just like, I just, not really interested in seeing him front the band. I've seen it on YouTube, and all I end up doing is, is watching uh, shows with you and Frank. <laughs> well, you, as a fan, I expect, I fully expected, if not by now, years ago, that most of the fans are saying this is something's funny here something yeah. is not right here something is not you know, that's I how on, I felt you know so now doing I, uh, the you know the tours for your earlier stuff and then doing like Blood Oath tour and stuff like that uh, is does the crowds and the fans seem uh, is it different or is it kind of you know the same but just you know I know there's a lot younger audiences nowadays yeah, I guess but um, is it crazier or more of the same or do you like the older crowds better. Um, it's a tough question because the new kids they enjoy it. You know they're not coming from the same place that you guys would be coming from. Right. Um, the shows are always good, always amazing. Oh yeah, it's great. Jeez, that's a tough question. As far as more like the vibe and the crowd interaction itself, or they. They seemed crazier when I was growing up, and then when I'm going to shows now, it's more tame and like, oh, you can't do that, or yeah, it's I'm, I'm filming you guys, I'm watching you on my phone, you know, I don't know. It's yeah. Growing up, I had this, you know, because I didn't start going to shows for a long time until I was, you know, a teenager, but, uh, you know, growing up watching death metal stuff on DVDs or whatever, and, you know, not even once in Europe or anything like that, but... They always seemed like really intense, and I was like, "Man, I can't wait to go to these shows." And then, as I got older, it's like the shows don't—you know—death metal stuff doesn't seem as um, one with with each other. You know, I don't know how to really describe it, but um, right. Well, all I can say is that, from my point of view, right, we've always played good shows, and and regardless of the whole night was was. Um, Regardless of what bands you're playing with, we always knew that when we got on there, we were, we were going to do what we were supposed to do. No, oh, of course. Not necessarily in terms of playing the songs that would have made people's lives just richer. Of <laughs> right. But we knew that when we came on there, it was going to be hard, straight till you sound right, everything in place, and just get it. So the shows were always acceptable. Right. Know? I know when. Um I saw you guys on Blood Oath, and you guys toured with uh, Whitechapel, which we we don't we don't like. But uh, a lot of those shows, I don't know if it's just the one I went to, but after Whitechapel played, you guys were of course the headliner, and most of the fans left after Whitechapel played. You're you're dealing with the baby generation, though. Yeah. The baby generation. So they're just like, who are these old guys playing? You know, this this <laughs> growling music, and it's like we want the guys with the flannels back that go to church. You know. That, that you couldn't do anything with that. You can't, you can't tell the young kids anything. They don't know anything about the morals of it. They don't know about right. the heart of what the music was at that time. And they just feel, all right, we saw, you know, Whitechapel. Let's get out of here. Let's go drink some beer and ding, 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 whatever. Now, did, did those guys ever say anything about it to you guys, or were you even? Whitechapel? Yeah. 
Um, the Whitechapel, they they didn't they knew who they were playing with. Right. They told their fans, "Yo, don't kid yourself. Hang out and watch suffocation." But the fact that they even had to say that brought yeah. the vibe of the show down to. Uh, yeah, because they're like, "Hey, don't stick around, guys. Don't miss the stuff." You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that brought everything down. Sure. But did they ever say to you guys, you know, hey, uh, sorry about those guys leaving, it's not our fault, or were they just kind of like, you know, whatever about it? Um, they, they let us know that they didn't agree with the fans on that. Okay. They didn't even, they definitely didn't try and pretend like they, they got something up on us. Right. No way. They let us know. <laughs> 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 they, they were good about it. I know you didn't because I was there, and I, I was like, I don't know why you guys are leaving, whatever, this is why I bought a ticket and bought a tour shirt for this, you know. I'm here to see fucking suffocation, you know. But uh, I don't so, know. It's it's weird being blended into both both things because I'm not, you know, people not even really maybe my same age, but are just not into the, you know, you guys are into more of the Whitechapel kind of stuff. But it's weird be being to, blended into both now, you know. It's 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 gonna be a strange reoccurring. The, the new bands are coming out. They're gonna get their their fill. They're gonna they better have some long lasting effect. Because I, I don't. First off, death metal never needed to be reinvented. No, no. It's just, it's just like classical music. Beethoven. People, people thought death metal did. They're like, oh, this is gonna go out of out of town. But it's like, uh, grunge didn't do shit about it, and you know, all this other shit. It's still there, and it's still. It's actually death metal has actually came back pretty hard. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. death metal is gonna stay here. Not I, even with newer bands, just with with you guys still people going back and listening to the old suffocation stuff or the old, you know. Uh, you know, immolation or whatever, and you know, going back and listening to that really brings it back for everybody. That you know, and that's the way I go to when I'm listening to things. I, I always go back to where it came from. Me too. I, I'm not. You don't find me. Who's the newest band? Who, the dog never. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm not like that. There's too much of it. It's too. Uh, you know, it's been sodomized. Really, it's just kind of. Yeah. You so know what you're gonna get. The good thing now with the Pro Tools and the internet sharing and all that is that. Us musicians are still here, so yeah. if I wanted to, we we could still change history tonight. If I decided, you know what, I can't stand the way the world's going. This shit is disgusting. We need to write something so brutally disgusting. Now, I don't care if it's one song. You know what? <laughs> let me let me get in touch with Steve DiGiorgio. Let me get in touch with uh, who do you want to guitar? Name it. Let me get in touch with him. We all have access to each other. Yeah, we can put that together. Right in a hot second so it's only up to how we think about it are we thinking progressive or are we going to sit back now pretend we're old and let the kids go on and totally destroy the scene not destroy it in a good way like we did but destroy it in a sense where it just becomes black yeah well you guys it is you it's, guys a, it's a fucking fashion show that deathcore stuff me being <laughs> 40 i'm ready to watch that shit just go down the toilet like grunge i can't <laughs> You know, that's why, and I tell people, it's like, you know, there was some guy trying to get me watch, you know, because another thing I don't like is all that beard metal shit, like Skeleton Witch and all that fucking garbage, you know, Mastodon, all that fucking bullshit, and it's like... To me, as an older fan, it just offends me. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, and that's fine. That, it's, you know, that is fine. 
I mean, I, I, I seriously, I've, I, I would rather do anything than have to listen to that band. I, between the buried and me, all that garbage. I mean, I see. I don't put, I, I don't put Mastodon with those bands. There, it's, it's very hard to do that. I was living in Atlanta when they were coming out, and that's, I think that's one of the reasons I just really fucking hate them. Uh, if you remember, <laughs> I'm sure you remember the, the power metal band Halloween. I watched uh, I watched Mastodon actually throw beers at Halloween, which I thought was really stupid. <laughs> you know, so it's like I I don't know that all that what I call beard metal and that skinny jean stuff and all that Amon Amarth I hate that fucking band. I saw them open for Deicide in like 2002. I'm like, why are you still around? And that band just won't go away. You know, <laughs> but but you know, and it sucks. But then my death metal stuff, you know, or, or they do like what Cannibals done. Like I do not like the direction they've went. I'm not a fan of where they've went as a band. You know, I I'll go back and listen to old Suffocation before I'm going to listen to new Cannibal Corpse. It's like the second they ditched Eric, I was like, woo, can't do that. Yo, I like Cannibals. I think Cannibals is one of the bands that are keeping it original as they've always had. See, I they've lost me. I don't know. I I. When they dropped Eric and they went with that Mark Lewis guy, that Whitechapel turd producer, I was like, okay, I'm done. That Skeletal Domain record just sounds like a mess of shit to me. It sounds like they're trying to market it to Hot Topic. It's like, hey, check out Cannibal Corpse. We're a Hot Topic band. It's like, eh, I'm not going to listen to this, you know? I, I, I love Cannibal because I, I know them from coming up. Right. I, I, no, I, I mean, I like their old music. I just don't, I don't like what they're doing now. You know, I would rather listen to Hate Eternal or Vital Remains or... You know, old suffocation records, or uh, you know. That's cool, man. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I, I don't know. I like the old vibe. You know, I'm, I'm excited about Steve Tucker being in Morbid Angel again. I think, you know, because David coming back was just laid an egg. It's like I don't know. I, just, <laughs> I want you know, some, I want some, you know, some fist. I want some nastiness. I want some, some fist bl- fucking. Yeah, I want some blast, you know, I want some <laughs> killing. Speaking of which, what is, is there anything that, that, that you are working on currently? Well, I've been doing the side shit more than, than anything right now. I just finished doing the um, Inverted Matter album. That's a band from Italy. Wow, okay. Awesome. Okay. Full album with them. I finished a, a band called Reverend Killed from Canada. I did a full album with them. I'm now working on uh, this, uh, it's type of uh with like a death metal tech type shit it's called the former okay nice okay it's it's, it's nasty man it's like um no there's no direction to it it's just tech in your face hard just whichever way we feel like getting and get it i've been working on that as well of course i did the shit with a bunch of tracks with iniquitous from texas and awesome I haven't stopped. Let's just put it that way. Uh, there's not a time that I've since I've left suffocation where I haven't been doing side side shit. Sure, man, that's great. So I'm in it. You know, I'm in it till I'm done. And then for myself, I'm five albums behind that I haven't put out. Oh wow! <laughs> Easily five albums behind. But I might. I'm just so overwhelmed with everything I'm trying to do that if I can't lock myself in a studio and just do what I'm doing for myself, I can't do it at all. I can't come in for 20 minutes and then go out and do other shit. That's not right, how, right. I, how I get down with that. I have to fall into a zone. It becomes a movement, and that movement gets complete. That's it. Right. So with that said, 
you, you have a heart the last of me. There's no, no way. I just can't do it. Music gives me, and it can be death metal. It could be the Grim Real release. It can be a bunch of different ways I can go with it and with any musicians I want to go it's, with. It's the so, beauty of music, you know. Right. Yeah. There's an outlet, no matter what tempo or wherever to put it. You know, there's always a way to express it, and you know, yeah. it's a very beautiful thing. And uh, also that you're giving something to give back to us, and we can listen to and appreciate and yeah. get inspired by. You know, it's a, it's a it's a great thing. You know, that's how, that's how I live. That's how I talk. I don't. I'm not. I talked a lot on this podcast, but I'm not. I don't like talking. <laughs> well, we appreciate. We're you glad you're. Long. Yeah, we're glad <laughs> you're talking. It's it's an honor to have you on this. Like I yeah, said, definitely. I think just getting your side of the story, I think anyone that listens to it's going to be blown away by because I don't think a lot of people know. There's a lot of stuff I learned tonight. You know, really a lot don't care. The old fans are interested. They're interested in it, but you know, things are moving so quickly now. You don't have time to really care. Right. Right. Type of shit right now, but. Understandable. There's definitely a story, and I was supposed to put it in a book years ago, but the book could, is still being written here. Right. Sure. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not thinking of suffocation or dealing with something that has to do with suffocation. That, sure. That is me. Suffocation is me. It's a brand that I made. I'm never giving it away to anybody. Right. People are coming into the band and playing suffocation, but I didn't give you anything. Right. So I live my life by that, and anybody I know knows me whether it's suffocation or mike smith however they know me that that's something that i did i'm something that i'm proud of and something i'm going to die with so right you know that's that's just the way it is so the book is still being written as we speak right now and when i uh you know what are you you trying to get through a day is is ridiculous especially with the United States and, and this dumbass traitor president and his bullshit is, is turning everything upside down. You can't even focus. Right. Like, There's oh, a lot of wait, shit. Shocked. <laughs> what? <laughs> what just happened? Oh my god! Get the fuck out! And now every side is against each other: black against white, Hispanic against it. Meanwhile, the government's up there laughing at us as they take everything. It's just sure. Right. Well, that's why we can say fuck them. Let's talk about death metal, and you know, that's why we're doing this to take our minds off of the the yeah. bullshit for a minute when it's not shoved down our throats and up our ass, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the nonsense that's going out in the streets and politics makes for some good but music, right? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, sure. There's enough rage in there for <laughs> several records. Yep. Yep. And I'm hoping that whole discography as, as the musicians. Uh, come to terms and realize that that's what we should be doing right now. We, should, we could be putting movements forward through our music right now that would turn the government on their ass. Oh, sure. yeah. You know, Especially since it's on the rise, you know. Well, it's like you said earlier, it's not, not everybody's firing on the same... Exactly. Yeah. Not all cylinders. Nope. Not at all. And just as a, a funny side note, when we went and saw Suffocation, I... Uh, when I went to Maryland, he was talking about his, his favorite drink, which is... a uh, Frank. Yeah, Frank. He was talking about a, a regal apple on the rocks, like the Crown Royal. And I brought him a bottle of it, and he just coveted that thing like it was his child walking around that fucking place. He was so happy about it. I was like, you really like that stuff, don't you? He's like, I got my wife on this shit. I got my daughter on this shit. got her fucking cousins on this shit. I don't know. He was just all about it. So. Uh, yeah. That's where the Frank the Tank comes in. Yeah, he was saying I turned into Frank the Tank when I yeah, have this on the Frank. rocks and it goes down so fucking smooth, you know. <laughs> What's going on about it? Do you have? 
That's do, when he's a classic. Yeah. Do you have a uh, a drink of choice? He didn't know Crown Royal until I knew it. Yeah. My <laughs> first choice. Uh. So, and and I, being not on the road anymore, I don't drink like that anymore. Sure. But I can. If I'm at a, an occasion, I'll put it back. But right. But on my daily life, I'm too busy. Right. To to just be drunk and fucked up. But I'm the I same way. I just Crown don't. Royal. Yeah. Um, I'm not a. You know what? I'm not uh, prejudiced to most anything. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm Caribbean. Caribbeans drink liquor. So oh yeah. Huh. I'll drink it. I drink whatever I'm in the mood for, but you know, then again, I don't have time. Seagrams and ginger ale, whatever. Let's Good stuff. Yeah. Seven and seven. Yeah. There you go. Not bad, not bad. Mike, I can't thank you enough for doing this, man. I didn't mean for it to run as long as it did. I, I can't believe it. It's amazing to talk with you and to get to hear about this and your stories and just letting everybody hear uh, what I feel is the the heart of suffocation, and that's you. And right. somebody that I've loved since I was 15 years old, it means a lot to me that the band means so much to you and the music means so much to you. Oh, yeah, I'm never giving the band up. I hope nobody even thinks that. Right. Uh, well, they know, shouldn't. You guys are fucking New York to me. You know, really take that to heart. And you know, growing up, you guys really, uh, you know, helped me out as a kid and get through all that kind of stuff. So uh, right. I still hold that hold that deep, and I appreciate that. Yes, sir. If I can, if I can explain New York as a whole to anybody, I would say Ghostbusters and suffocation. That'd be it. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad to be part of your life, man, and I'm continuing to be. Like, like I said, it's not a rock star thing with me. Right. It's more of an influence. If I influence you in anything, I don't mind continuing on. If there's anything you need, ask. And you'll, you'll bet that you'll get the answers. Right. It's amazing, man. Hey, check this one out. This is Mike Smith, New York. Suffocation. Suffocation. Fuck this. I'm here chilling out. Brothers on the Fan Fan podcast. You know it's good. You know it's heavy. Don't try and deny yourself. Plead for it at all times. Man, have a good night.